welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. Today, we're going to talk about Globalcom, the Nigerian telecoms company. We'll explore the Globalcom story across five areas. First, we'll start with some context about the Nigerian telecom sector. Second, we'll talk about Globalcom's early history. Third, we'll deep dive into uh, Globalcom's telco and non-telco businesses. We'll talk about potential exit options for Globalcom. And then fifth, we'll end with our views on its overall outlook. This episode was recorded on April 10, 2022. So we're talking about Globalcom. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, I don't get a nickname today? <laughs> okay, that's fine. I feel like I didn't even ask you how you were doing. Maybe that's how I'm I should start it. I'm not hurt. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. healing from, um, from sports injuries, but you know, it's what happens when you get old and you play competitive with your kids, I guess. Yeah. Did, do you want to talk about it or maybe we'll, we'll leave it till later? Absolutely, no? absolutely not. Just, I'm, just, no? I'm just healing. I'm in pain. You're healing. I guess okay. I should apologize in advance. I'm in pain. Okay, so you're going to be serious. I'm going to be, I think, mostly the same. So we're talking about Global Comp today. Yeah, Globalcom, the Nigerian telco promoted, which is a very uh, a very interesting verb to use for businesses, but it's a common thing in, in India, parts of Nigeria, like businesses have a promoter, basically the founder or the chief mm. person behind the business, promoted by Mike Adenuga. Everyone in Nigeria calls it Glow, so I'll just be calling it Glow for most of this episode. I can't, in, in fact, if, if someone said Globalcom, I'd have to do a second take to know what they're talking about. Okay, so Glow, 55 to 60 million subscribers, Primarily in Nigeria, where they're the second largest telco, tied for second place. They do have some additional operations in Ghana. They were formerly in some different countries, but let's just say primarily Nigerian as far as this podcast is concerned. And then, yes, they have a, a, a rich owner who we'll, we'll talk about later, um, but it's going to be an interesting uh, conversation because this is the only private telco we've discussed. So very, 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 very unique. But also mostly pure telco? We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yes, Mostly just yes. like a traditional telco. Yes. Without a lot of um, baggage, other stuff, man. We just do yes, telco which, stuff. Which is, uh, uh, Glow, aka Globalcom. In terms of customers, so MTN is the biggest. They have 270 to 280 million. Second is Orange, 130 million. Third is Photocom, which has also 130 million. Fourth is Airtel Africa, which has about 150 million. Then Globalcom is fifth with about 50 to 60 million subscribers. Last is Telecom. So it's sort of small ish. Not as small as telecom, but on the smaller side. And then in terms of actual size, enterprise value, if you wanted to buy the company, MTN 31 billion, the biggest, uh, Vodacom 20 billion, Airtel 10 billion, Orange 10 billion. We don't know the valuation of Globalcom because it's a private company, but it's probably in between Orange at 10 billion and higher than telecom at 2 billion. So small-ish, but unique because of the fact they have a private owner and because they're more pure place. So we'll talk about them today. We can probably do some... Um... You know, like some investment banking funny math and take triangulation. You know, yeah, our proper user we can. in Nigeria, Airtel Nigeria, and get to a billion. Yes. Did you or should you, should we? Or did you? No, 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 no. I, I did not. I did not. But I, I bet you it'll be between uh, two and ten billion. The only problem with doing the math is you have to take a massive discount because of the control uh, of ownership and lack of like. How, how do I put this in a nice way? It doesn't have the same management structure that you'd expect, so you have to take a discount. But I'm pretty sure it'll fall between uh, two and ten. No, Globalcom is just a different kind of telco. And it's, it's different. very different from the others in management, in reputation, in yes, marketing, yes. in branding. So let's do this. Typical PSAs, founders and operators love to hear from you. Email us, info for Billy. Investors, if you want to link up uh, with us, partners to drive the ecosystem forward, email us, info for Billy. Everyone else on Afrobility.com, there's a big white button. You can subscribe to our mailing list. We are a little bit behind on emails, but we'll eventually email you. Okay, so biases, biases on Glow. I can't wait to hear this. Maybe I'm partial to homegrown businesses. Maybe that's it. Oh. I'm just partial to like Nigerian businesses. Um, huh. I also think that is this is one of it's probably one of the more 
secretive founders, but also secretive businesses. So it's very difficult to have an opinion. I'm very aware of having negative opinion because a lot of it depend on like, I don't know, financing, like how easy to get financing, why not go public? So I'm probably, hmm. um, maybe not out of positivity, but out of lack of information, leaning more positive. Okay. Maybe because okay. I have a Nigerian passport, maybe that's it. Okay. But you said it hesitantly. So positive, but not overwhelmingly positive. Because I still Mostly positive. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've said this on so, so many episodes. Basically, I have a fundamental negative view with telcos in general, just a business model. Um, I will say this telco has some things which make it slightly better than telcom, which we spoke about last. But overall, mostly negative. Just the business model is, is not the best. I was As I was researching this, I looked at the market cap of African telcos, almost all down to the right over the past couple of years. Um, but with that, I will say... There, they are a little bit unique because they tend to be much more focused in terms of the geos they're in and the business lines. I don't know if you would say that's positive in terms of their focus or negative in terms of concentration risk. So overall negative, but not as negative as, as telecom. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Cool. I think I'm, right. I'm more positive about telcos than you are, definitely. I think so. Um, yes, yes. And I'm also more positive because it's a Nigerian business and I'm just like, you know, it's easy to be patriotic when you don't live in Nigeria, to be honest. It's also um, since, as the story unfolds, you'll see that the Nigerian government's uh, horse, aka Nitel, they completely screwed it up. So this is sort of like the national champion now, even though they're not public. So the national champion that no one benefits from versus the government national champion we all benefit from, we as a Nigerian. Okay, anyway, that was a super yeah. long bias section. Okay, let's actually start the story. So, yeah. I, so one more thing before we start the story. You know how, like I said, um, is it patriotic outside Nigeria? Uh, right. One tell I remember when I was uni in Nigeria, it was university, is the people who wear Nigerian jerseys in December, like when everybody's around, definitely the foreigners. Like Nigerians, <laughs> Nigerians and Nigeria, like I was thinking about how I wanted to buy a t-shirt that says Nigeria football team. Like, why would I do that? That's weird. In Lagos. I'm wearing now, in Lagos. Yeah, I'm wearing in Lagos. It's like, who's arguing with you, dude? Chill. Um, versus now, we're all part of the same team here. Yeah, like we have no choice. Um, versus now, I'm like, oh, Nigeria jersey to the office, and it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, you're Nigerian, yeah, talk about it in the hallway in the kitchen. Um, yeah. but not in Lagos, no, no, no. So, yes, okay, go Globalcom. Ah, okay, Globalcom, glow, glow, glow. Okay, we're gonna start the story. So, let me set the scene. So, the story begins in the early 2000s, yeah. So there are a bunch of different things happening in tech around the world. So Microsoft was releasing Windows 2000 and Windows XP, great operating systems, by the way. Dell had stopped selling computers with floppy disk drives. Interesting. I want to talk about that, but let's stay on, let's stay on topic. Apple had released the first iPod, iconic. So all that fun stuff is happening in tech around the world. But more relevantly for us today, the African part of the story. So Nigeria was now, let's say, 40 years past independence, right, from the United Kingdom. Nigeria mm -hmm. elected... Uh, the president, Olusha Gwabasanjo, in the late 90s. And all this was leading to a bunch of different things happening where the telecoms industry was trying to do something differently in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So that's a segue to our story today about, yeah. about Nigeria Tech and Telco Tech and, and uh, our friends at Globe. And in 1999, so basically, Gwabasanjo's big thing was to deregulate mm -hmm. and privatize everything inside. Um, <laughs> succeeded in privatizing some things, um, more than others, Ajakuta still company, not so oh. much. Um, an NPC, not at all. 
But bringing in other players into the telecoms industry was a big part. I have uh, many questions for you. Maybe on the Obasanjo part, or do you want to? Maybe you can talk a little bit about why governments like privatization, why they think it's important, and then why specifically Obasanjo started to do it versus other people that came before him. So, so two questions: yeah. general view, and then specific for him. Well, what do you think on the first one? So first, it was democracy, right? We we were going from. We, what I about the people listening to this podcast that are French? You mean Nigerians? We, I'm Nigerians. Like, dude, okay. I, I bleed. I bleed. <laughs> I told you it's easy to be a patriot. Anyways, I'm Nigerian. Fine, Nigerian. Okay. Um, we had gone through a long, painful military role. And there was a whole thing in 1998. And it was the first time in a long time we had a free and fair election after a few years ago. So there was yeah. a whole need for progress and future. And there was a lot of selling and it was bright new world. Second thing is fixed telephony. Honestly, it's like a whole rabbit hole. I, I would post a link in the comments where government tried many times under the military role to privatize fixed telephony. So they, they licensed a number of operators for fixed telephony. So very much unlike telecom in South Africa, where they kept it um, government-owned for a while. They licensed a lot of fixed telephony licenses and gave them regions to operate in and things. But fixed telephony is a real capex juggernaut. Like if telcos are bad, fixed telephony is a real capex juggernaut. In the market that was it. highly regulated. And I remember as a 2000, um, Nitel, so Nitel is a government-owned telco. They had 80% or 81% market share um, of all fixed telephony lines, even after having prioritized for maybe five, six years at a time. GSM, therefore, was the future. So again, as we said last podcast, it's hard to imagine now, but GSM was seen as the low-cost technology, um, the low-cost telecoms technology alternative. Yeah, so even though our story is primarily like... uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Just some very, very quick comments about this. So Nitel, Nigerian Telecommunications Limited, very, very useful name. We always make fun of the name. So established in 1985, it was owned by the government. And basically every source describes it as (laughs) inefficiently managed. (laughs) It's so funny reading these quotes. Um, It's plagued by multiple issues. And I mean, I could make fun of it for hours, but I won't. Let's just keep it short. Basically, it was run by the government and they were trying to provide communication services to the country, fix telephony, like you said, but it was basically completely inept and didn't work properly. So the government wanted to privatize it and give other people a chance to do something different with GSM. Um, And talking about the 2001 auction, they were actually given one of the licenses as well. So the 2001 auction, again, this is because the government wanted deregulation, right? They wanted private sector participation. So they gave licenses to Econet Wireless, which became Airtel, one of our episodes, afrobuy.com slash Airtel, MTN, number two, Nitel, number three, and then CIL, Communication Investment Limited, number four. And that CIL is the company that was backed by um, our friend we'll talk about later, Mike Adenuga. So intriguing yes. that there were four, four licenses, one of them completely squandered, which is the Nitel. And then the, the fourth one was uh, eventually revoked because they couldn't pay. Yeah, they couldn't pay. Fascinating. Yeah. Anyways, Mike, the story goes, um, the legend goes, um, Mike Adenuga, who, by the way, is called the Bull. If you don't know, <laughs> I'll also post a picture on the show notes. That's His nickname is the Bull. Hilarious. It goes by the that's Bull. Paper. There's, wow, you know, the Roaring Wall Street, the Wall Street Bull, the Roaring Wall Street Bull that's outside the, yes, the stock yes. exchange. Yes. Um, he also he also has that outside his buildings, like outside his head office in Bonadilla. The, 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 the same one or or different a different version. He has a he has a bull. I don't know if it's a different version okay. of the bull, but as a statue of a bull outside his offices, that's what Mike Adenuga okay. does. Okay, I have okay. Are we are we about to start talking about Mike Adenuga? Because I have some other thoughts about the no, auction first. Because, Should I give the slots or do you want to talk okay. about the auction? 
Talk about the auction. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up the auction and then thank you. Get deep into the Mike Adinaga story. Okay, so I observed three things about the auction. The first thing is Nitel had a license which they squandered, like I was saying. But that's in stark contrast to if you look at South Africa. So when South Africa had the same equivalent auction license, the telco, the telco, the government's telco that got the license eventually became Vodacom, which is still number one today, right? So in that case, the government's gave a license in the initial auction. And their government player ended up being number one many years later. Again, Kenya, when Kenya did the same thing, another deregulation license auction, the player which became Safaricom was a government backed player, which is also number one today. So, just to see in contrast, yeah. not only did Nitel not do well, it's not like they're second, third, or fourth, they're completely bankrupt. So, we don't want to harp on this point too much, just in comparison to other government's auctions by African countries. Yeah. Um, I'll go to the second one. Any thoughts on that one? It was good. My other observation from the auction. I, 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 I don't know what your second point is, but it's a testament of like public government capacity, exactly, right? and like correct. strong yes. public institutions. Where where we had stronger, not necessarily strong, stronger institutions in those countries, they were able to do something with those things. But you don't necessarily give a weak institution more assets. It doesn't really generate exactly. anything. They launched for yes. like a hot minute. I remember. Yes. But yes. That was a disaster. Okay. So th that's my first observation from the 2001 auction license. Second observation is the government gave very, very tight stipulations to the people that won the licenses, which I thought was very interesting from an intellectual perspective. So um, first of all, the licenses were only for five years. Hmm, intriguing, which means you have to pay again after five years and do some renegotiations. Second of all, the licenses only worked in certain spectrum bands. Let's not thought some technical stuff, not important. We're not going to talk about that, but intriguing for me personally. Third thing is the NCC gave them specific targets. And again, the NCC is the government's uh, organization that manages telecoms in Nigeria. Yeah. And the specific targets were you must get to 1.5 million subscribers by five years. Um, you must get 100,000 subscribers in some specific regions. And you must cover 5%, uh, you must cover at least 5% geographical coverage across all the different states in Nigeria. And it's funny, looking back, all these targets were so low. Listen to our MTN episode, episode 10. Basically, all the telcos crushed all these stipulations. It's just, it's hard to even imagine 1.5 in one year. They got, in yeah, one yeah, year, in less than a yeah. year, in less than a year, they got all the targets. I in know. Less than a year. But, I like the fact that at least the government was thinking about stipulations around the licenses. And in contrast, some African countries had licenses for 10 years instead of five. So at least the five years gave the government more ability to get more money later, which I think is fine, but we can be argued either way. Yeah. Second okay, thing on that point, there was hmm. smart money that said it was too expensive. Because you, you're looking at a market with less than a million phone lines, 150,000 fixed telephony lines. Yeah. Nobody uses the phone a lot. The phones that exist are not good. Mobile phones, mobile phones, even at the time in the US and the West were very expensive. Um, income was still very low. You're launching this new technology and you're asking me to pay 300, almost $25 million basically for the license. In this market where there's a first time in democracy, who knows there's going to be another coup in two years and then we yeah. lose everything and kick us all out, right? Because democracy is just like two years old. Um, so a lot of smart money looked at the risks and like, even at the time, I, I give them the credit, like at the time it's difficult to say like, this was a good choice, but MTN was extensive experience in Iran, <laughs> Yemen and Afghanistan. That's hilarious. You know, and, and Econet and Strive with a different like assessment of the risk for being African. Um, right. And then the Nigerian people who basically like, well, like, well, we're here, you know, rain, shine, war, peace, we're yeah. here. But a lot of smart foreign money decided to not bid for this auction. Yeah, if you want to listen to us talk more about this, listen to episode 10 of we.com slash MCN. We also have an analogous uh, analogous situation with Chipper Cash. So remember how um, as soon as, before Chipper Cash started, 
a wise man would have said, like, look at the data. How frequently do Africans want to send money to each other, blah, blah, blah. But apparently they wanted to because Chipper Cash's numbers were crazy right from the jump. So it depends on the Chipper Cash story is easier to believe because they made the costs, they made it so cheap that it, yeah. it made it more likely to do it versus here. We're going to talk about this later. It actually launched at a relatively expensive price for most people. So there's a nuance of obviously, if you make it cheap, you can get all the pent up demand. But if you make it expensive, you may still be damping the demand because it's not cheap enough for people yeah. to uh, afford it. Anyway, let's close out on the auction. One last thing, and then we'll we'll leave the auction stuff. So CIL, the fourth licensed winner, was an investment vehicle managed by Mike Adenuga, right? And Mike Adenuga eventually created Globalcom, which we'll talk about later. So this is not about Globalcom. This is about the 2001 auction. And the story around how they revoked the license is fascinating. So apparently, <laughs> this is absolutely fascinating. Okay, so they won the, the, the license, right? And in order to pay for the license, they needed to get a loan. And when I say they, I mean Mike Adenuga's team, CIL. So they tried to get a loan from BNP Paribas, right? So a bank. And the loan was going to be for $265 million, which they had to pay the Nigerian state government, the, the Nigerian federal government, I mean. So right before they were about to pay the money, by getting the loan, they realized that there was an ongoing lawsuit. So a company called Motophone had sued the Nigerian government because they felt like the spectrum was actually theirs. The assigned spectrum mm -hmm. that was supposed to go to our friends at CIL was actually in a court case. So they said, okay, this is what we're going to do with CIL, Mike Adenuga. We're going to send the money to the government anyway, but there's going to be a stipulation that we get the money back if something happens with the lawsuits. Right. Mm -hmm. So they basically they put a clause, they put a stipulation clause in the money they sent to the government. FYI, this whole thing I'm saying now is Glow's perspective. This is Mike Adenuga's perspective of the story. We're taking it to yeah. be true, it may not be true. Anyway, so they did that. And what happened? The government rejected the payments and revoked the license. Basically said, we're not comfortable with the clause you've put, even though we know there's an ongoing lawsuit. What's really fascinating about this is later on, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but two years later, when they came into the market, they had the same issue. The court, the court case was still going on, but this time the government accepted the stipulation. So anyway, that was a long spiel. I found it super yeah. interesting. Like, should we send $265 million or not? Like, it's, I wish I could be in the room. It just seems like it, it's so awesome. A quarter of a billion dollars, maybe, maybe not because of an ongoing lawsuit. Um, okay. We'll take the whole story with a grain of salt because of your perspective, but I found it super cool. Really, really yeah. cool. I'd love to be in the room. Anyway, we should, we should, we should even like. So maybe before we get into Macadonica's story, like, so in two thousand and three, so it's called yes, two yes. years after the first license were issued. Yeah, everybody said Nitel was not working, frankly. <laughs> and that's one way to put it. We're bankrupt. Yeah, and Ec and Econet is Zimbabwean, and MTN is South African, mm -hmm. and we don't have anything in Nigeria. Nigerians don't like, like maybe let me generalize for a second. We will not take trash from South Africa. You see how they're always fighting with DSTV and like fighting with the just have an inflated sense of their own importance, especially in Africa, especially South right. African countries. And it's almost unfounded mm -hmm. by any data, to be honest. But it's just like these South African businesses are here, they're already charging us for DSTV, and now they're charging us for MTN, and they're the biggest in the market. So there's a whole push to get a second national carrier, which is a distinct um class of license. So Globalcom technically had license to do a lot to do everything that Nitel. Could do which is fixed telephony the others could do um um just gsm so globalcom of course nobody was going to invest in fixed telephony at the time but of course vodacom uh, globalcom glow no because i'll just yeah, keep saying glow. vodacom yeah. <laughs> so glow yeah. was able instead um 
to get a license as a second national carrier in uh, 2003 when they launched. Yes, uh, yes, SNO, SNO. So, so the con context for the audience, let's bring you up to speed. So first auction, 2001, CIL, a.k.a. Mike Adenuga, had their license revoked. Two years later, 2003, Mike Adenuga again, but this time a consortium with a different name, not CIL, called Globacom, a.k.a. GLO, and they got the license from the government, which means they're now able to compete with MCN and Airtel who won it earlier. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, they they came into the market with a bank. Should we talk about how they came into the market, or should we intersect the story with the Mike Adenuga story? When when do you want to put yeah. the story? Let's. I want to do Mike Adenuga now, and then the launch stuff will make sense, basically. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. So so like so, Mike Adenuga, billionaire founder of Globalcom, according to Forbes, worth <laughs> about six and a half billion dollars. Right. Who's counting? By the way, Forbes is not a reliable news source. I just want to reiterate for the world, just FYI. For, for sure. For sure. Make that what you will. Also known as the bull, I saw this quote. The bull has no social media accounts, seldom ever attends events, rarely makes public appearances, and hardly does media interviews. Like, I don't know what he sounds like. I haven't seen a lot of his interviews. Yeah. Um, Although, um, on the social media one, yeah, I mean, even rich people that do have social media accounts, they're not managing it themselves. Apart from Elon Musk, most accounts, Twitter, Facebook, they're managed by their PR. So it doesn't matter whether they have it or not, because it's not them. So not no, a big but, deal on that. No, one. but he. But I'm pointing that you don't you don't see him like fishing for the weekend and like now in Monaco for That's the Grand different. Prix. Like the That's others different. do that. Yes, um, yes. dude. Um, Femme dancing. On I'm sorry. Jet. What? <laughs> Another Nigerian billionaire dances on private jets. I do not want to discuss this. Back to Govacom. Um, <laughs> so my yes. Luka. Oh, so basically the story goes like he did come from some some money. Like he ah, he went to school okay. in the US. Worked as a taxi driver, which comes up mm -hmm. a lot. Um, former taxi driver, now billionaire, to support his college studies at Northwestern Oklahoma State University, where he finished a mm -hmm. business degree, and Pace University in New York, where he got his MBA. Interesting. So, why did he have to work as a taxi driver if your experience already had some cash? It just he needed even no, more. I, 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 I don't know if they had like send your kid to America cash, US cash versus I don't know. Okay, okay. But I don't know. Okay, okay. I honestly, I don't know. See, don't be asking me questions about my Kaderuga. Don't, don't let me go and say something about somebody that they do not normally talk about. Let me just say what I read here, please. I need job. <laughs> don't, don't, come and, don't come and cut short, cut short my ambition. Anyways, um, so he, he so upon upon returning to Nigeria, according to this version of the story, he began his entrepreneurial pursuit in his early twenties. Entrepreneurial pursuit. Mm -hmm. That's how you know he came directly from a Nigerian newspaper. He started entrepreneurial <laughs> pursuit in his early twenties. He made his first million at, at age twenty six from selling Coca Cola and textile materials. How, how, um, do, you, how do you make a million dollars? This is in Nigeria. How do you make a million dollars doing that? That sounds very weird. He must have done it at some he, massive scale or something. It's also it's also one of those stories that gets retold so often and nobody knows if it's true anymore. That's so yeah. that's why. I'll take everything with a pinch of salt. Um, yeah, I mean, what I, all I take from the story doesn't make any sense because the numbers don't make any sense. But I guess what I'll take is he uses ingenuity and drive to make a lot of money when he was younger. But like yeah. selling coke a million dollars, Jesus, yeah. that's a lot. To maybe million, maybe million naira, maybe million naira. Oh, okay. oh, oh, oh yeah, okay, or... that's possible. That's possible because yeah. I know the margins on those yeah. things are. Um, anyway, yeah, he he took over his family business where he expanded to include trading of machineries, fabric, beer, and soft drinks. So it's likely mm. um, this million comes from the family business that he started running after he came back from his undergrad and MBA in the U.S., basically. Ah, okay. Um, now it, it makes more family. sense. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty much okay. it. Now, okay. this is where things get interesting. 
1990, basically, mm-hmm. he received the privilege and all greening mm-hmm. license to um, drill for oil in Nigeria. Wow. Now, let me take some a step back on how this works. A lot of Please Nigerian do. laws, a lot of Nigerian laws are come from a legacy of the military. So we have a constitution, but we also have a lot of decrees set by the military. And our laws now are a combination of those things. What that has happened is a lot of the things that are laws were designed by people who thought they would be in power forever, as military people tend to think about. So a lot of the those things are discretionary. So as as so awarding all blocks, for example, you would you would be insane. It's a billion dollar asset that belongs to the states. That revenue will be shared with the states, and the state collects eighty five percent petroleum taxes on is mm-hmm. completely discretionary at the privilege of the minister by law, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, yeah, which basically means it ends up being a relationship game. You give it to people yeah. you like the most. It's unfortunate. It would be very absurd if that happened in the US where it's like, oh, you know, AT&T gets a new license because the, you know, the FCC thinks they're like, what? No, yeah. you know? Right. Um, but these things are the law that it can be discretionary. And a lot of the um, haters, the traducers, the haters yeah. say like, you know, like how did he get the license in 1990? And, you have to yeah. know somebody and it's a front for something or the other. And yeah, I I'll, I'll, I'll give some, some additional context to the audience to show you how lucrative the license can be. It's not as though you have to say, oh, what is my business plan? Let me hire thousands of people. Let me figure out how to drill. No, no. All you need to do is just like you contract out everything. You just take a margin on the profits. So you could literally not do anything, find a bunch of middlemen, let's say GP, uh, general managers, and then just take a percent of whatever they do. So it's actually extremely yeah. lucrative because the amount of time and energy you put doesn't need to be very high. You can, but you don't have to. So yeah, and, and can still be incredibly profitable because you basically sublicense somebody to actually do the drilling. Yes, yeah. Um, All you do is you just take a percentage of the profits. You literally don't need to, to do anything. Yeah. Obviously, you should probably make sure you find the right partner. Yeah, <laughs> monitor sure the output, sabotage it. Yeah. monitor yeah. the output, enforce yeah. contracts. Yeah. Like you're going to need some monitoring on your own, but it's not. You don't have to be. ExxonMobil, basically, to get a right. license. I yes. guess that's the that's difference. Definitely not. So he he did that to build um, what what has become Conoil Producing. Um, they've acquired a number of companies. Um, so everybody talks about that as the beginning of Mike Adenica's wealth. He was 36 at the time, like when he mm. got that drilling license. And he just went into multiple businesses, right? So he has real estate. He had an airline at some point. He's, he's on the board of Sterling Bank. He used to own the bank completely. He used to be a Victoria Trust Bank, now it's Sterling Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a number of real estate different businesses that own a bunch of things. So this man is maybe closest Western analogy would be Carlos Slim, but Carlos mm-hmm. Slim is mostly telcos. But it's, it's, he definitely, this guy just has a lot of, mm. or any of the Indian billionaires, I, I would say, but he has mm. a lot of like businesses um, that he does now. And nice. the story goes, he's always wanted to do telco. So at the time he got this license, he's been, He's been, he's a known he's been a known rich person a known billionaire in the market because this was yes. 2001 and right. the drilling was in 1990 right and there was a yeah lot of so it wasn't like he became there. rich because of telco because CIA on globe no, he was already yeah. quite rich before that what was already quite rich before that and that's yeah. why he went on bid for the license they got the license all this thing with BNP Paribas yeah. and then 2003 he got the license and Globalcom launched. Yes. A, a few quick things about uh, Michael Duniga. So basically, um, yeah, according to Forbes, between six and eight billion, which makes him the second richest person in Nigeria and sixth richest person in Africa, who's counting. More importantly, he's been uh, made famous by, by a song, um, the Jai Jai song, which is the most important thing to me. Because the whole time I did research, I just kept on singing this. Love it. 
That's very funny because Michael Denoka is in is in every song, by the way. I can think of like that, three that, or four that, songs. That, that's the most As a matter of fact, song. check out the show notes. I'm gonna post a link of songs that reference Michael Denoka. Oh hell yeah. Just but, have. I just I it's just in my rotation. In my rotation. There, we just talk about him. Elon Musk and Trump. Yeah, it's a equivalent of like American rappers rapping about Bill Gates or 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 Trump. That's that's the that's how well he's known. Oh, uh, Hannah Montana, Hannah Montana, Hannah Montana. <laughs> no, no, you don't get that. No, okay. No, I do not. <laughs> I, I I only know the Michael Dinger songs. Okay, so so okay, as of so we're now in two thousand and three, Glow has come into the market after the second time they got the, the, the they got the license on the second bite. And yeah, what is their what is the launch launch strategy? So. So a lot they did a couple of things, right? And this is more mm-hmm. about that has built the band that Glow has become today, right? Yes, it's, it's Glow dark. established itself a couple of things. Um, so there are maybe three things that come is per second billing, their pricing strategy, and like their celebrity-led advertising. I'm going through those one by one. Celebrity-led advertising. <laughs> That's so funny, the, man. That's legit. The, the like, per second billing. Go on, go on. No, no, no. Let's start with per second bill. That's the most important. Yeah, because at the time, and I remember this clearly. Um, it used to be 50 naira per minute, daylight robbery. Minute. Daylight so, robbery. At, 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 at that time, the dollar was maybe 85, maybe at best. Right. So think yeah. about like 70 cents, 80 cents a minute, if not a dollar a minute, depending on the right? And, and they, would round, they would round against you for their favor. So let's say the yeah. call was one minute, one second, it would be two minutes. So the rounding okay. was done in their favor all the time, which sounds minor, but it's just egregious. It's very And irritating. then people would be will be flashing, which is a thing. You call somebody, disconnect them, pick it up. And everybody was like, just charge me per second. Like, I want to use this new fangled technology, but I just want to call somebody and figure out where they are and then hang up. Mm-hmm. Why should I pay for the whole minute? And if yeah. you go overlap into one minute, three seconds, you know, it's gone. there'd be all this argument and everybody complained. And MTN, I remember this very clearly, MTN Echo was like, oh, the technology and this or that. And like, we have to change all our systems and it's per minute for now. Dude, when Global.com launched, all their press was like, <laughs> charge per second. It took maybe like two weeks for M10 to launch per second billing. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't think they even had the module, the subscription yeah, module. It, it's funny. Like the innovator becomes the laggard later on. If you listen to our MTN episode, MTN, when it launched, was one of the first telcos to use prepaid billing at such a scale. So just a few years later, they were much more on the innovative end. But then when you get the revenue and profits, it's easier just to wait they're till making, the market shakes out. They're making way too much money. Way too oh, much money. Too much money. Forced, forced them to compete because Lobacom came for second billing. And I remember being like, oh, so this is possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a big innovation. It sounds, it sounds minor in the overall scheme of like pricing and marketing strategy, but per second billing was a game changer. No, it, it's not minor at all. I want to add some more information to this show how important it is. So we spoke about the average call at the time was 15 hour a minute, right? So Glow's launch price was five cobbles per second, right? So obviously 60 seconds in a minute, 100 cobbles in a Naira. This is the equivalent of a 94% price decrease. So unbelievably cheaper. It's not even like five, yeah. 10. It's like almost a Reliance yeah. Geo level type of price decrease. And then also yeah. SIM cards were 25,000 Naira. Don't get me started on yeah. the daylight robbery going on there. Yeah. There are SIM cards launched with 200 Naira, which is a 99% decrease. So they decrease SIM, yeah. price, SIM, uh, they decrease SIM cards by 99% and they decrease yeah. voice calling by 94%. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, it, it was it was absolutely the pricing so what they did is the sim cards were like they'll give you the sim cards for next to nothing so you pay four thousand exactly. or five thousand yeah. but you get four thousand five hundred in credit like they yeah. would give you more than the cost of the sim cards 
Right. Even in 2004, which is very normal now. Now you get SIM cards for free. But yeah, yeah no, no, no. So SIM cards are like basically just, just but at, they're, they're at the percent. time, it used to cost, let's call it $70, $80 equivalent to US at the time. Crazy. Unbelievable. How can you charge um, $25,000 for a SIM card? And charge next to nothing for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And their pricing was different. Um, and by the way, this has been a common trend for Globalcom. Like Globalcom, they have these AWUF programs and go overload. And <laughs> what does AWUF mean? <laughs> AWUF is um, surplus. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. AWUF is pigeon man. Yeah, it, it basically, um, the equivalent in English is like extra, un- un- unexpected extra. Yes, unexpected just AWUF, just a, a lot. outcome. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. It, jackpot, maybe. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyways, so, but that's been their brand, right? I don't know. Like, I'm sure on Google, if you buy 500 every time, you get another 500 for free. And I'm just making that up, but it's probably true. Um, just like Reliance got, Joe. It was, it was Reliance Joe type play. Yeah, it got, exactly, way before Reliance Joe. It got so bad or got so good for customers. I saw this news article from 2017 where they did a promotion that the NCC called them and told them to take it down. Like, everything, like they had this promotion where they give subscribers on the network. They, do, they have a data-free day where everybody on Glow so I'm going to read this quote. Globalcom had declared Friday, 11th August, 2017 as the first free data day on its network. <laughs> you too. The company said eligible subscribers will get 200 megabytes of free data to enjoy wow. a free day of browsing, chatting, streaming, downloading, or pulling awesome. a, a, lot, a lot more. All you needed to do was to use 100 Naira on voice calls mm-hmm. over six days before. Right. And then you get MB before. And it was so like, their promotions are so disruptive to the market that the NCC is like, this is unfair competition because nobody knows how low Glow will go. Their pricing is aggressive. NCC, they really, someone needs to slap, give them a slap on the face. Like aggressive pricing is like if the dominant player is pushing out new players because they have an advantage in revenue margins. Not if the new, it's almost like, I'm going to criticize them later. I just want to throw it in. Like literally, them pulling down the ad shows, they have a misunderstanding of the market dynamics. Because at this time, let's be clear, mm-hmm. it wasn't like MTN still had the predominant market share. And like second was Airtel. Okay, you know, so it's not like they even had any market power. Um, anyway, we'll come back to that later. Just wanted to throw a quick comment on that. Because I understand what the government is trying to do. But man, they have to take a much more holistic view on this stuff. Glow's, Glow's pricing has always been consumer-led. Whatever that yep. means. It just means low prices. <laughs> like if yes, Glow yes. tells you something is a price, know that nobody's bidding that price, which is a, a yes. crazy brand to have built because that's my mental model. And anybody listening, tell me if I'm thinking about this wrong. But um, it's just like if Glow says, you know, three gigabytes is, you know, f- 500 Naira, know that you can never get it anywhere else. <laughs> but and, and, but, and to show the impact of this launch, they were the first... Uh, uh, telco in history to get a million subscribers in less than nine months. So it was actually quite quite su- uh, successful at the time. They blew up. The other thing they did, so pricing per second billing, the other thing yes. they did now was celebrity-led advertising. Um, I don't think we've ever seen, I don't think any market, I don't think I've ever seen any kind of celebrity endorsement at this scale. They basically had every celebrity in Nigeria, every musician, <laughs> every actor, endorse Glow at the same time. So it's not even, it'd be like, so all your favorites, That's even funny. in Afrobeat today, have all been Glow Ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Burner Boy, former Glow Ambassador. Mm-hmm. Whiskey, former Glow Ambassador. David O, former Glow Ambassador. Everybody in Hollywood. There's an advert, which I will post in the show. Whiskey and David doing doing a Glow advert together. Like Timaya, nice. Glow, Glow Ambassador. I love Everybody. It. And the school of thought, obviously, in the West, a little bit, is 
those things are expensive. They don't pay off in the same way. Um, but in Nigeria, in emerging markets, maybe it's different. And Globalcom took, you know, the same thing with the pricing. They took a simple idea. I'm like, if we're going to play, we're going to play big. And they signed up everybody. But it's you can't say what, which part worked, whether it was pricing and per second billion yeah. advertising. Yeah, but yeah. they were the fastest growing telco in the first nine months. Like that yes. is not, you can't steal it. Their competitors yes. were not, like you could be gifted an oil drilling license. You can't be gifted this, right? Right, yes. With this self-funded, no public markets funding and then spending all of this money uh, and growing so yeah. quickly in the first place. It, it's also, the reason I like this part of the story so much is Let's leave aside the geo piece, right? So Mukesh Ambani, we spoke about, let's leave that aside. There are very, very few examples of billionaires yeah. that are already rich going into a sector where they don't have to spend money and still spending money anyway. Because like, hypothetically, he could have just stayed in third or fourth place and just like, he would have gotten yeah. some customers. He didn't need to spend that much money, especially because the upside, okay, hindsight bias, now it looks like the upside was fine, right? But you wouldn't know at the time. MTN had a great mm-hmm. reputation. MTN had good service. Airtel, aka Econet, they had a great reputation. They had great service. So sometimes it's very easy in hindsight to be like, of course it would have worked because the prices were cheaper. But I'm sure we can find a lot of examples where uh, low prices led to multiple, multiple problems. And uh, I hate to pick on Nitel again, but that's another example where they also had low prices. But because the network infrastructure didn't match the low prices, so it didn't work for them when they did the, the relaunch. Yeah. But that's another part of the story we'll come back to later. But but in retrospect, though, in retrospect, obviously, benefit hindsight, it looks clear. Because yep. everybody knew that it was profitable, right? right? But it was not the question at the time was whether it would scale. It was whether like mm-hmm. can people underestimate how quickly the cost of phones would go down and cost mm-hmm. of the hardware would go down, um, and how widespread it would become. Because I was looking up old ARPUs in tech, in mm. tech, in um in telcos. In which country? As I, in across Africa, right? Okay. Because at yeah. 2010, 2008, we're talking $15. Like it's not like <laughs> Down into the right, baby. That's why all yeah. their stock prices have gone down into the right. But it's just been going, you know, 2014 and going down to 9, 10. Yeah. So yeah. assuming it was higher in 2005 and six, I couldn't confirm those numbers. But you're talking $20, $25, even if it's $15 ARPU for a right. telco business, and you are just hiring Whiskey and David to be singing and you're paying them you know, 60, 70 grand <laughs> and you're going to a million very quickly. Yeah. I, I could guarantee you the ARPUs were close to, were higher than that because we know yeah, it was 15 maybe 30 or 40 per, per minute. Yeah. So yeah, if you do the equivalent, yeah, 40. Yeah. yeah, down, down. I mean, also for the audience, the ARPUs going down are not necessarily bad because you have to multiply the ARPUs by the customer. So your revenue may still go up even if the ARPU goes down. It's just in this case, because uh, on oligopoly, you you have to look at the ARPUs because your customers going up is not guaranteed in these kinds of markets. Yeah. So, oh, man. Yeah. And it's, so I guess to summarize is global company mm-hmm. aggressive. Like it was almost like they felt like, you know, it's almost like a bull in harness. Yeah? See what I did there? It was like a bull trapped behind like a screen door, like uh, the running of the bulls, like those things to do. And it just like gets released and all of a sudden it just attacks with fury. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's how Glow took up, attacked the market. They definitely took over yeah. everybody's consciousness. They were all over the TV, all over all the highways, um, in ads, um, and they signed everybody. Anthony Joshua is a global <laughs> ambassador. Okay, guys. But, 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 but was it at the same time? Was it around the launch time, or did they spread it out? Later? No, 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 no. They, they signed Anthony Joshua maybe three, four years ago. Yes, um, yes. When it became but, popular. But towards the but towards the launch time for the first couple of years, and less so recently, I can't even think of somebody who is an ambassador now. Um, but they signed celebrities, right? And it's like yeah. they they use them in all the as is it. There's a glow out of Anthony Joshua eating for four something. Am I making this up? Maybe I am. But it's just like random, random global yeah. come ads like that. With like it's, it's, I, I like it. It's almost like um, it's like finding an undervalued asset. Like 
if you if you if we start with the assumption that a lot of Nigerians like celebrities because they like whatever you're in a movie, you're in a TV show, you're a musician, but those celebrities they don't have enough endorsements to match the actual market equity value. So if you, I don't know how much they give them, but even even if they give them a little bit of money, the celebrity would accept it. It would be a win-win. It's because they haven't yet reached There's enough no saturation. Competition. There's no competition. There's no competition to, to, to pay those celebrities their equity value in the market. Like the analogy is affability. Sponsors for affability on the shout out. Like we have a lot of listeners. Email us. Maybe we can talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no one else doing affability. You like that? You like that plug? Okay, okay. I like anyway. it. I like it. It's really good. It's it's sly. It's sly. I love it. I yeah, love it's it. undervalued asset. Like the people that listen to affability are African tech CEOs and African tech fund managers. That's what you want. So just email us. Maybe we'll think about it. My only my only goal is I don't talk bad about Mike. I didn't. That's why I didn't do. Um, oh. So anyways, Global okay. built a big business. Finally got the license that they wanted and the business billionaire founder wanted. This billionaire businessman wanted. Um mm-hmm. And took over the market, grew very quickly. Um, one million in the first, fast, took nine months to get to the first million. Yes. And almost um, by like 2008, 2009, they're already number two in the market. Like it was just like. Yeah. Fast. Yes. In the fast, fast. And everybody was just there looking at them. I mean, granted, Econet had the whole like Zane Airtel fiasco. So they lost yes. some subscribers in between. Yes, and MTN fought with the government on multiple I think occasions, they lost me. which wasn't the best. So MTN fought with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nine Mobile was dilly-dallying. Imp- the came coming and leaving. Yes. Right. So it was basically one of those, like, I don't know if he's winning by default, but 2008 was still fine, right? And they were already mm-hmm. number two by then. So they just managed to, as everybody got into trouble, they managed to stay the course and they're still number two or number three, depending on which which yes. quarter you look at, to be honest. Yes, it, it's basically like a tie. Um, should we talk about <laughs> fundraising and how well, they I, raise money to, well, to scale? Because as a typical startup- Are you a comedian? You want to be a comedian? <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about a tech startup that's scaling. So how do they raise money to fund the, <laughs> fund the group? My, Mike asked Mike to fund it. <laughs> That's what I could. That's the, honestly the only information I could find. I love it so right? much, man. It's so so likely, so likely, what practically they would have had to do definitely would have taken some bank loans guaranteed by mm-hmm. some other assets that they had as a group, as a company, or even mm-hmm. as an individual, and right. you fund it with those loans and you pay back the loans and keep all the equity. In theory, in practice, yeah. who knows? Private companies don't have to report anything to anybody. Yeah. So basically, the fundraising section is very, very simple. They haven't raised uh, any publicly uh, available information. They raised the Series A in two thousand and twelve. <laughs> As a secret, yeah. Let it's a, I, I went on. Um, I went on Bloomberg to check out the composition of the leadership team and the board. And let's not read everything. Let's just say it's a very, very private company. Because there are some private companies where, like, you can get external stakeholders to come, and they don't have any equity. They're just advisors or partners. But the board is Michael Denuga, his son, his daughter, his son, his daughter, the executive. So it's, it's a family business, which as expected. So very, very interesting, and it's so unique because. We have never, this is 100 hours of affordability, 49 episodes of affordability. We've never seen any company at this scale that's still completely private. Never, N- not even close. They've been some yeah. which are sort of close, but that's, they're a tech startup, <laughs> but, but they're private. They're not private in the way this is. They're private because like the VC funds own 20, 40% of it. This is not that. This is big and they don't have any funds that own it. The family still owns it. So it's massive at scale, has no VC funding. Maybe they did raise some money that no one knows about, but the point is still, it's highly likely almost all the equity is in the hands of the family. Very, very cool. And considering that you think they'd be more conservative, they haven't spent. 
they've maintained their low pricing strategy since they launched 2013 to today for 19, yeah. 19 and a half years. Impressive. So aggressively low pricing strategy, guys. I'm talking about like a boost mobile versus ATT low pricing strategy. <laughs> like, and it's not necessarily like boost mobile service. Your boost mobile gives you like a objectively worse service that may be good mm. enough for most people. This is like on paper as good. I know I've heard a lot of service complaints about Glow, just anecdotally, but like that's neither here nor there. People complain about MTN as well, like and everything. Yeah, but so. also the service complaints for Nine Mobile are that almost always gets the worst because yeah. they didn't invest in any yeah. towers. They had to change of ownership, and then Air. Well, I mean, first of all, service complaints. Let's be clear, they're very very localized because you may have towers in like Banana Island, but not no towers in Ibadan. So you need to figure out yeah. which city and which state. It's hard to parse. The, it's hard to parse. Really, really hard to parse. Really hard to parse. Um, okay. <laughs> no, no. Lumde, it's hard to parse for Nigerians who live in the US. People who live in Nigeria know exactly know. what's working. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I want to give some some credit there. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'm going to leave my thoughts till later because I'm going to cover them. Okay. Should I talk about African expansion or did you want to yes. give any more information really quickly. on the launch? Really okay. quickly. Let's talk about <laughs> okay. African expansion. So the African expansion is so short that before I even talk about African expansion, let me just <clears throat> give some more information about the Nigeria telco industry specifically, right? Because Glow is such a Nigeria-centric business that it's important to understand their core market first. Then I'll talk about the expansion. Okay. So three major events happened in the telco industry that affected uh, Glow's business. First, 2013, April, mm -hmm. mobile number porting came into effect, right? MNP. And what is number porting? Yeah. Number porting is basically the ability to switch between telcos, very simple. And I did a lot of research on this and something else I was working on. And it turns out in almost every country in the world, MNP has little to no impact on market share, basically no impact. Sure enough, in Nigeria, it was launched. Yeah. The reports showed that 99% of subscribers—it's <laughs> so funny. 99% of subscribers didn't port within the first nine months. Basically, zero impact on the market. I was in. I was in 0.1%. That's one. Yes. Two, I also saw from from Airtel yeah, to, to Nine Mobile. Same. Same. Mm. I was. I was deceived. Yeah. Yes, I was um, working in, in a company at the time that gave us all uh, Airtel, Airtel. Yeah, and, and then at the, at the time, AT Salat, which is now Nine Mobile, they had they didn't have the best network, but they had the, the highest, the fastest data speeds. But this is 2013 yeah. when I swapped, so this is nine years ago, mm -hmm. eight nine years ago. Now, now maybe less so. But also the second thing that I liked about that period, the ads were fire. There was MTN had this fire ad for Portin. They had this brand ambassador who used to work at. We used to advertise. I don't part to. <laughs> yes, I loved it. I'm going to post the link to that in the show notes as well. My fellow will be a day new guy. Oh my God, this whole episode. <laughs> I have so many songs I can sing. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. So, so that's the first thing, which is important. MNP 2013 April. Second thing in, is um, in 2015, the NCC, again, NCC is the Nigerian Communications Commission, right? They, they set all the rules for communications. They removed the floor they had set on data prices. What does that mean? It means before 2015, there was a minimum you could charge. I know. So this sounds a bit insane, right? Because obviously you just want everyone to compete yeah. and charge. But the NTC, like I was saying 10 minutes ago, they wanted to sit up where big companies didn't reduce the price too much and bully out the small players, which sort of makes sense. Anyway, they removed that floor. Now there was more competition also for data pricing. What we spoke about, remember, that was for voice, right? The COBOL price second stuff. And what we spoke about also was for SIM card. So there was no major competition on the data side, but this was a major thing that happened in 2015. And almost immediately, all the telcos led by Glow started to cut their data prices. Any thoughts on that second piece, B Dove? That was right, it. And it was also coincided with the time that like um, internet access started becoming a thing um, and that the world yes. started becoming flatter and flatter. People yes. came online and in 2015 was when Paystack and Flutterwave was founded. And <laughs> 
and that time. is where okay. Nigerian internet history begins. That's where the, the, the tech the text scene started. Okay, and then the last thing is um, there was a law in 2015. Okay, actually, context, context. So Nigeria had been having some political instability. There was some insurgents from some different groups, and Nigeria saw unregistered SIMs as a threat to security, right? Because a lot of terrorist organizations didn't have registered SIMs, so we couldn't actually do some research to find, find out who they were. So the NCC set a law where you had to um, deactivate unregistered SIMs, aka the telcos had to do that. Because of this ruling, um, MTN faced a bunch of issues and lost a bunch of market share. And the market share went to mostly Glow and Airtel. Listen to more about this on our um, MTN episode 10. Basically, there was a lawsuit. MTN had to pay a lot of money. We're not going to, this episode is not about MTN. But this third point is very important because it showed a, a massive shift in market share from MTN to Glow and Airtel. So three major events. Any thoughts before we go to the expansion? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. So I want to talk about so the MTN fine. The MTN, I don't want to talk about the MTN fine. Yeah, there's a whole episode on that one. Uh, okay, um, expansion to other countries. So their overarching strategy for expansion was other West African countries that were, are, are sort of close to Nigeria, right? Because that's their home market. So Benin Republic, not to be confused with Benin, obviously. Benin is is, <laughs> is a city in Nigeria. This is, hence the different pronunciation, Benin Republic. So another country, Ghana also close to Nigeria, and then Cote d'Ivoire. So the expansion strategy was to expand in all those different countries, and I'll go through all of them one, one at a time. So first country, Ghana. So they got their license in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. And they officially launched in 2011. So GLOW is in Ghana, 2011. Unfortunately, many, many years after, they still have only 1% to 2% market share. So it hasn't been the best experience. They basically and yeah. also ran, especially compared to so MTN has 57% market share. Uh, Vodafone has 20% market share. Airtel Tigo, obviously the merger of Airtel and Tigo in 2017, has about 20% market share. So quite low, 1% to 2%. Some data sources yeah. even say 0.9%. MTN is so dominant that the Ghana authority, basically the Ghana uh, equivalent of NCC, uh, as labeled MCN a significant market power. <laughs> and they're going to implement yeah. uh, policies to... To uh, curb curb their power in the country, so that's the, the Ghana Ghana piece. Yeah, also one of those things where you you will probably hypothesize where they did they just want to be there or did they want to compete because the license was also, I think, seems pretty expensive. It was fifty million dollars in two thousand and eight. Like, and it, I, I've been to Ghana a bunch of times. If you put a gun to my head and asked me if Glow was in Ghana, I'd be like, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's all. It's also, if like, you land, you know, there's Airtel, Tigold, you see a lot of the other yeah. pieces as well. Like fifty million dollars. So. Re- I think we spoke about this earlier, but Glow paid $200 million for the Nigeria license, right? 285, so 285. Yeah, even. 285, let's just say 5X the Ghana one, right? But the population is way higher. So it's sort of like, based on what metric is it coming into this? Because the population is higher and they're way later, so they should actually get a better price. Anyway, regardless, yeah. they're also ran, they're back there. That's the Ghana piece. Second piece, Benin Republic. Um, so they got the license 2007. You can see all the timing is all sort of similar, right? The Nigeria license was early as 2003. The uh, Ghana in, license was 2008. They were in a dominant phase, dominant, like, yes. grow, capture. They, they, they were trying Fashion to scale. So they got the license 2007. They launched 2008. Um, and things seemed to be mostly fine. In 2016, they said they had 2 million subscribers. Now, 2 million subscribers, that sounds horrible, right? 2 million, that's almost nothing compared to Nigeria. But remember, Benin Republic only has a population of 12 million people. So it's actually a relatively large number compared to the population. And, you know, Benin Republic is like way smaller than Nigeria, so apples and oranges. However, today, they're no longer in Benin Republic. Why? Like we said earlier, these licenses expire, right? 
So the license expired in 2017 after 10 years, and they were unable to renegotiate a new price that was acceptable to them and the government. Um, and that is the end. So they, they exited the country and they're, they're no longer there. I wonder if it was just a price thing or if there was more nuance to the story, but all the reports here was primarily price. So the exit. I think it's I think it's also one of those things where Benin Republic or countries have a very different view of their telco businesses, mm-hmm. of the of the size of the of their markets, right? And if mm-hmm. you're investing in a telco, which is what you're asking Globalcom to do, basically, to so invest in mm-hmm. a telco business, whether standalone, whatever, in another market, you're going to apply <sighs> at best MTN's multiples, you know, at best cool. other multiples, which are not, not good. The best. At best, Etel Africa's multiples, right? right? Or a right. fraction of I- that for a smaller, more difficult market. Yes, yeah, like I mean, guys, 12, 12 million, it's 16 to 18x smaller than Nigeria, which is 200 million. So, population, yeah. it's a population game, it's a scale game. So, you gotta, the yeah. license and should the, literally a, be at least apples are two box, like exactly. lifetime value, MPV, put the cost line on top of that. What is the revenue per user? What is the profit right. per user? However, yeah. you define or cash flow per user, however, you define that, you get into like really small numbers very quickly and that don't, that don't have a high ceiling. Nigeria, at least the small numbers that might have a high ceiling because you get 300, yeah. you get you know, 100 million, 50 million, 60 million as they do in Nigeria. But mm. those markets have a high ceiling. And I'm sure if you're in Benin Republic, you're like, well, Ghana charge this and Nigeria charge that. We're going to charge yeah. this much. Like, no, 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 no. Telcos now is a shitty business. We want none of this. <laughs> yes. Stuff. Yeah, give us a reason to back, give us a reason to back out. We will back out. And they backed out. Yeah. Oh, they definitely backed out. So they're going for that market. Um, and then the last market, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, aka Ivory Coast. So there are some rumors that in May 2015, they uh, launched a takeover bid to buy one of the, the telcos there for $600 million. Eventually, it didn't pan out. They never got into Cote d'Ivoire. So really, yeah, if I you was like, I didn't this, know that they had Cote d'Ivoire. No, they, they, they did not. They, they, they launched something. There were some rumors they were going to bid, but they didn't. Yeah. So really now, if I summarize their international strategy, basically a Nigeria business. They have a small side shitty business in Ghana. Um, Benin Republic, they exited, never got into Ivory Coast, aka Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and that's it. So Nigeria plus a small business in Ghana. That is their expansion strategy. Very, very different to MTN. Listen to our MTN episode, which is much more expansive. MTN is a bunch of countries, most important countries for MTN, South Africa, Nigeria, obviously. Um, also dominant in Ghana, but Ghana is a smaller market. Um, also very different than Airtel, because Airtel is a global company. But even Airtel Africa is in multiple countries, most notably, especially Nigeria and Ghana and a few other countries. So they're sort of like now heavily concentrated. But thank goodness they're concentrated in one of the biggest markets. Um, so bad, yeah. but not bad. It's not as bad as telecom. Telecom South Africa is super concentrated, but they have the worst of both worlds. They're basically fucked. They're like third in a small market, but then they're government run, which means they don't have enough money to expand and they're not doing fintech either. So Globalcom isn't in the best position, but they're definitely way better off than telecom South Africa. Is a summary of their expansion play. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's not. A, okay, I guess expansion play, not business. In, in terms um, of the, the expansion play, the core business, yeah. that's a separate separate piece. But it's also almost like um, even off the top of your head, thinking about it, where should they go compete? It's not clear that they have. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, it's not clear the, that the, it's worth their time. Yeah, the best would have been the only other countries which make sense, South Africa, but that has to be to an acquisition. Um, everything else, low ARPUs, either second, third, or they're going to launch fourth place late. You need to spend so much money for your fourth. Um, yeah. Pretty difficult. And Ghana small, Benin Republic small, most countries small. Yeah, difficult, difficult. We'll, you basically we'll have to do another this, business. Yeah. We'll get into this a lot, exactly, is unless you have a value-added service to raise those ARPUs, the expansion doesn't matter. Like, you don't want customers that are that are, that are um, 
that are worse than your current customer set. Yes. And the problem is the reason why Apple's are trending down is that the first people to get a GSM phone, right, are people who needed the most. You know, in yes. 2002, 2003, all the bank CEOs got your phone doesn't matter how much it costs you got a phone the <laughs> company paid for it, right that's funny man um yeah it was forty thousand dollars for a sim card yeah for a phone yeah you need yeah. to be like you didn't you need to not just be chatting with your friends to get a phone <laughs> those business man business deals text text were 15 naira a text oh, i remember I that very that. clearly there was no whatsapp that. no that it was 15 naira a text message and the right? phones were crap i remember i had an alcatel lucent crappy ass phone i remember yeah. buying airtime to send to keep texting isn't that like Oh my god! Uh, thoughts and prayers. Anyways, what's up to the wind, man? If, what's up for the wind? If if you're if you're going to then take um this low output business somewhere else, and you don't have a strong, we will talk about this when we talk about the non-telco businesses. You don't have a strong value-added service layer like orange money, orange mm-hmm. money. Orange yes, as money. I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, but MTM mobile money or Etta mobile money. You don't have a strong. Yeah, like, I mean, Etta mobile money thesis. Whether it's true or not, it's a, like we can get more from the customers in addition to what we get from them for phones, right? For, for um, sure. So if you can get that, maybe that makes, you know, that drives your output up. So output for can be $3, but yours can be 5 because you have right. these three, four other services on top. And you have almost none of that. So I can't wait to talk about, okay, you want to do their primary telco business because I have a lot yeah. of thoughts on the non-telco businesses, but I'll let's, pause, I'll let's pause telcos. Thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, very quickly, so we talked about this in the growth market. Very quickly, they grew super fast. Yes. Despite being a late mover to the market, they basically came in and just took everybody's launch, like just everybody's launch. Um, Okay, so we talk about the market share, and I was trying to look at how it's grown above uh, um, over time. What I found is for the last like five to six years, it's kind of been steady. So uh, let's call it 2007, 2008, 2009. They established themselves as a good number two in the market. MTN mm-hmm. lost their dominant position over time, and they yes. just bled their subscriber base to grow. And I'll include another chart in the show notes. This is fantastic. Um, oh my God. Show notes are going to be that, packed, man. I know that shows that. Um, they are just down. They've just been around 26 or 27 percent from 2016 um, down to 2019 to 2021. The most of subscriber numbers, yeah. uh, which means they December basically 20, have been yeah. close to tied the whole time for second place with Airtel. With Airtel. Yeah, yeah. I can even read. So June. So it's a rounding error, right? So June 2021, MTN mm-hmm. has 73.6. Global.com has 50.1. Airtel mm-hmm. has fifty point six. So uh, oh, oh that's not percents. That's millions of users. M- millions of subscribers in, in Nigeria. Millions, millions of subscribers. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So it's it's basically yeah. they're tied for second place. That's tied, just round right? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Global.com has fifty two point nine in September. Airtel has fifty one point zero. Hmm. In okay. December, Global.com has fifty four point eight. Airtel has fifty three point nine. So it's like they're within a million subscribers it's, of each yeah, other. It's Close-ish. It's a close-ish. Also, I realized um, <laughs> I, we're not going to get into this on this podcast, but these telcos in Nigeria, they have a lot of inactive subscribers. So cut all these numbers by half. A lot of these subscribers don't even use the SIM cards. I was shocked to find that the definition of an active subscriber changes based on the telco, but a lot of the, at least half of the subscribers don't make a single call within six months. So yeah, the numbers are close, but you may want to cut it for actually active users. Very strange there when I found a, that out. Yeah, there was a big... Uh, redefinition mm-hmm. of um of those in of those numbers in the 2000s in nigeria where they made them disconnect and stop reporting on like inactive subscribers and i think yeah. they lost like a hundred million the industry lost like a yeah, yeah, 100 yeah. million subscribers yes. 100 million accounts basically so just yes. that were inactive um doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't work that way everything is all all licenses that telco business is very um vanilla telco 
uh, Vodafone, voice data phone. Um, um, and they sell hardware, they sell data. Uh, that's most of it. We've talked about international expansion as well. They weren't that big yes. in Benin Republic. Yes. 1.6 million is even the number I had. Oh, in yeah. Ghana, they have very tiny market share um, as well. So yes. it's all Nigeria. And it's at the last count, it's 54.8 million um, yeah. subscribers. It, it, it's like the orders Flat. of magnitude. Let, let's give you guys the details. So Nigeria, you said, let's just say 54, 55, right? That's yeah. millions of subscribers. Ghana, 3 million, not even on the same scale. Benin Republic, obviously they've left the market, but even when they were yeah. in the market, the, the biggest numbers they had was two, one to 2 million. So whether they're in or not, they left. It's all, all, all a Nigeria business, 1. basically. 6. Yeah, yeah tiny. It's a Nigeria business. It's not a Nigerian majority business, it's a Nigerian pure business. That's it. Right? Basically, it's, it's like and, Telcom South Africa. Telcom South Africa is basically only one country. Although you could count a few, this is basically that. Basically, one, one I'm sure country. many many would argue we don't have this data. This is just conjecture. Um, if Mike is listening, I did not say anything bad about you. Um, we don't have this data. It's just conjecture. Like the outputs will be lower, just giving it a targeting and lower spend customer of the market basically like yes. what we saw with the telecom arpus for their yes. prepaid um I, I, prepaid I where it was like a hundred run a third lower than the mtf prepaid arpu i'm i'm very very confident of that very confident because i also as part of the research i went on the all the telcos websites today to look at the yeah. data prices and glow is still the cheapest significantly that doesn't mean the arpus are the, the lowest necessarily because it's like the weighted average, right, of all the consumers. Maybe some consumers are picking high ones, but it's it's an indicator that it probably is. Yeah, because they target they target the low end. They basically, right. but but if all of the market is the low end, right? Um, yes, that's exactly. It, that's and, and, it. and normally, if it's any other country, you say, "Oh, what about the weighted average of prepaid versus postpaid?" Maybe they're target, but like Nigeria is like 99.99, just all prepaid. No one. It, it would be, I, I don't think I've ever met a regular person. They use this postpaid. Maybe some business uses, but a regular person. Why, why would you do that no, in Nigeria? A, you a regular say, person will use it by that? themselves. It's almost like a. It's not even yes. a function of well, wealth. It's just like well, why would I? Just why that? it doesn't? It's also like it's. You'd have to go out of your way because the default is prepaid. Yes. Why, why would you go out of your way to? They would even be confused. What do you mean you want to pay? You, you have a bill you, yet. What are you paying for? Let me tell. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why they make you fill a ton of forms. By the way, many things in Nigeria, like in the US, you walk into a bank, a, no, a bank, not even a bank, banks, yes, let me fill forms. Yeah. But you walk into like Telco. a Verizon, right? Yeah. You tap three things on the iPad, and like they boom, give boom, you an boom. iPhone. They don't even need mm -hmm. to pay money, they give you an iPhone or something. Um, but here it's not really not that developed, especially when you get into like postpaid, just for many different mm -hmm. reasons, talk about access stack before. You do yes. have to like, it's stressful to get a postpaid line. Yes, like I don't. I'm not even interested. Yeah. It, it's all. I mean, so there are. We spoke about this on telecom South Africa. There are some advantages. Technically, uh, all telcos have a, a stack of priority if there's any congestion on a tower network. And first is postpaid, but <laughs> it they doesn't really matter rates. in Nigeria. In theory, they give you better rates. In theory, they're like yeah. if you sign up for a long-term contract, you get better rates. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to look into that. Ask yeah. me in like a few months how my Airtel postpaid experience is. I, use I, I doubt it. You're only there yeah. 10 to 20% of the time. Why would you pay for the 80% of the time where you're not there? Postpaid, you can't pause as easily. Okay, anyway, we're going into, into minutia. Let, let's come back. Let's come back. Should okay. I talk okay. about the non-telco yeah, businesses, businesses or do you want to or do you want to say anything else on the telco piece? Yeah, I conventional telco, 50 million subscribers, um, 50 plus, 55, maybe overall 60. Yes. You're being generous. Yes. But 55 of that is in um is in Nigeria. So it's a Nigeria focused telco business that does that does Nigeria focused telco things like deep discounting. That's the 
TLDR of a telco business? Non-telco business, very short. Uh, the first thing I wanted to highlight is they're not in fintech, which surprised me. Normally, whenever you're talking yeah. about telcos, this is the part of the conversation where we say, oh, MTN is doing Momo, and MTN is thinking about competing with banks if it's a bank-led country, or you think about competing with fintechs if it's a fintech-led country, or you talk about Vodacom. Vodacom is trying to launch Vodacom Pay. They're trying to do fintech. Same thing with Airtel, yada, yada, on and on. The list is endless. Strangely, uh, Glow is like Telcom South Africa. They have minimal interest in fintech. And the reason I say that is when the Nigerian government started to open up PSB licenses, PSB license is a license a telco can get to start to become a fintech and offer yeah, some it's a, services. It's a, private, they, it's a private service bank that allows exactly. that allows basically non, non-banks to yes. offer some banking services. So exactly. to accept deposits and provide lending. And that's the type of license that's most attractive to telcos. And that's the kind of license that MTN and Airtel are on the verge of getting. However, Glow is not in the bidding for that, which shows it's not currently on the radar for them. So no fintech, surprising. Um, no, I will actually- say this, though. I will say this, though. They do have, I, I don't know if Glow would agree with that. Maybe you say no significant fintech. I looked, I couldn't verify this. They have, if you check Global.com mobile money, they have a mobile money product. They have a landing page on their website. They have functionality that they said they offer. Wow. Um, but I'd be so I, I don't know the scale or size of it. I have honestly never heard yeah. about it before. It's literally yeah, my I'm, job to know to know about stuff like this. Yeah. So I don't know how big it is or how used it is at all, how many users. Yeah, they with, have. without the license, it's almost useless because for example, MCN in Nigeria always have MCN Momo without the PSP, but you're very limited. So would it be a financial services, but would it just be the renaming something that has to do with transfer of airtime? No, it's, as- it's, it's not. It's not limited. It's not limited in Nigeria. Like they just have to work it. They have to do it through the banks. They can't do it independently, which means that they can't keep a lot of the margin. Which they can't oh. invest in it. Which means that oh yes, yes, yes. But, but that's exactly what I'm saying. So the fact that Glow is calling something mobile money doesn't mean they're doing anything with these financial services. They're just labeling it because they're, they're not applying for license. No, but I'm saying that means maybe they want to keep that model because remember the man owns a bank. <laughs> it's a but we're getting it's, into we're no, getting it's into a conglomerate. It's a conglomerate, so yeah. I have to I have to like yeah. think about like but, but, maybe his own personal his own personal yeah. like um constraints. It, it, it's sort of, it's sort of like we have to think. There are two different levels here. Normally, when we talk about non-telco businesses, we look at the company and we say, what are they not doing in telco? But because this is sort of like a holding company. Because this episode isn't about Micah Denuga or his business. This yeah. episode is about Glow. So as far as Glow is concerned, they're doing it limitedly. But if you look at it from their exact perspective, maybe he has a broader portfolio. But I'm looking yeah, at the Glow level. Exactly. Since, but exactly. I understand maybe there are two different levels but every, of the every, But everybody is, everybody is doing, like, I guess it's not even, not even on a portfolio, right? I think that it's a different model that only makes sense if you want to run it like that. Like, basically... It's a reasonable to assume that everybody right now, since nobody has a license, is doing the same thing in mobile money, right? In Nigeria. N- no, because some people are applying for the license. Some people are not applying no, for but, the no, license. No, but nobody has, nobody has a license now. So I'm saying that yes, but, now. But the, but the fact you're applying shows no you think we're, we're talking about the future. No, talk about this now. Is, about you're, you're getting you're getting into into like nuanced stuff. No, no. If, if you are if you are walking towards the bank, it shows you want to do a transaction. If I'm watching TV, it shows I don't want to do a transaction. MTN is applying for the license. Glow is not. So obviously they have different plans. That's very obvious. Otherwise they'd have applied. No. It's, okay, okay. We, we don't want to do ten minutes on this. Okay, okay, okay. We'll we'll come back to this later. We have slightly different perspective, but doesn't matter. Okay, what business are they in? Actually, non-telco business. They have a. Uh, Glow One submarine cable. Fascinating. 
Um, I, I was intrigued by this because at first I was like, oh, doesn't everyone else have this? Actually, no, it's quite unique. Um, so what do they actually have? What does it actually mean? It's an underwater cable system that connects um, other regions, in this case, UK to Nigeria. And then that improves the network quality, improves the connection of information. It's a basically an underwater uh, fiber optic cable to improve uh, transmission of data, right? The key thing to me here is not necessarily about the business, but the fact they're willing to invest at that level of the stack shows they're thinking about things slightly differently. So very cool. They started it a while ago, literally 2009. So it's not something new. They've been doing it for at least 12 years. And, and yeah, they're actually the first, uh, first African country to do this, first African company to do this at this scale. Fascinating. Any, any, any thoughts before, on it? Even, cool, right? Even before, main, even before main one. Ah, do we count? How are we question. counting it? Is it the first? Well, said, main one is in the telco. So it's a, company. It's the yeah, first African maybe, company, that's what I'm saying. That's a good point. I should check the source. Maybe it's African telco versus African company. Yeah. Let, let's just say they were one of the first. We, we have to define yeah. it in such a way that it's restricted. Yeah. 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 So I don't know when we're going to future episode, by the way, main one. I don't know if main one did it before 2009, but they're they're one of the first. We just have to verify whether it's first or first telco. Yeah. yeah. Very it's cool. A very, it's a very, it's a very interesting decision. I'm sure there's a lot of backstory behind it that I, that is difficult to find. Um, yes. Those guys, those things don't necessarily make the, um, the headlines a lot. I know there's a lot of, action there personally but yeah we'll see yeah yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes i think the key thing is it should improve um the quality of the network they should have faster speeds it is a trade-off of the initial investments because some articles said they spend between 180 to 300 million on it so initial trade-off of the costs but then you get the money back when you have higher network quality which means you have more customers staying longer for, with you so that's how it is interesting business but yeah apart from that that's it they're not in many other significant businesses if you look at micah denuga's a portfolio there'll be a lot but the primary one is the yeah. uh, submarine submarine cable and part of part of the reasoning in my mind is that it's a privately held family business and then, yes. you know globalcom does this and sterling does banking so why is you know why are exactly. you doing banking why are you doing exactly banking exactly exactly, the exactly the I, I agree with that. it remember um, when we spoke about vodacom we're like oh how come vodacom yeah. hasn't expanded as much as mtn because like actually no let's use a better example let's use safaricom how come Safaricom yeah. hasn't expanded as much as MTN? Well, because Safaricom is partially owned by Vodacom. Vodacom is already in those countries. Is Safaricom really going to expand to South Africa and expand and compete with its parents' company? Yeah. So same thing here. Michael Dinuga has its own, his family has his portfolio of businesses. So why should one of the businesses be diversified when the family is already diversified, right? It would, it would only make yeah. sense for a business to be diversified if they're doing very, very related businesses. But if they're not that related, you just do the yeah. diversification at the family level. Anyway. They've, they've, they've also, so the, at different times, I, it's difficult again. I don't have Glow and I don't know anybody that has Glow, which is strange. Um, oh, oh, I'm getting after this. As soon as I land, I'm going to get a MiFi device. I need an alternate. So I'm going to get a MiFi Glow. I just need to make sure it has multiple SIM cards. So a SIM card in the MiFi, and then I'll have three extra SIM cards for my other phones. I'll keep my primary line, but I, I need a backup. You're right. You're right. I probably need, because I cannot stand. Um, anyways, so what they've done. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I no, I can't. I I think that I, I use my a lot. Um, yeah, it's good to have a backup uh, network in a country like Nigeria. Basically, yeah. what they've done, what they've done in general is, I saw some old news things like they have a partnership with National Health Insurance Scheme. I saw mm -hmm. this from 2015, where you can yeah. pay for insurance with your mobile phone, basically Bima Health model, and they have Glow in partnership with the National Health Insurance Scheme, and you pay with airtime. Mm -hmm. Okay, but so who has the national health insurance team? No one has that. People have it now. It's the government. It's basically our NHS. 
Yeah, now, but it doesn't have worldwide coverage now. No one has it now. Do no, people I have mean, it? I've never met anyone that has it. Sing, single digit million. Maybe people that. Oh, okay, yeah. So no one has it. So I, single I also digit divided by 200 million. So, like, I don't, nothing. That's, yeah, Olympia, that's not normal. But no, no, no. But, but, but seriously, is it, is it widespread? I'm honestly, I'm asking. I'm no, not, but, I but how do you, know de- no, I but how do you define widespread? I think that people have it and it exists and people use it. It's not necessarily like, it's not NHS coverage and it's not, um, nowhere near where it should be for like the only government provided insurance plan that exists. But what I was pointing out is more that Glow had a model. I don't know if they still have it where you can dial a short code and you can pay your premiums with airtime either per day, per week or per month to Mm. pay your premiums. But it was even in 2015, it was expensive. So I'm sure it didn't go anywhere. It was 250 a week or a thousand dollars a month, which is pricey um, for mobile insurance. And it gives you consultation and, medication in 8,000 hospitals. And I was like, they don't advertise it a lot on their website anymore. I wonder if it's been, um, yeah. if it's been stopped. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They also launched something. The, the other thing about Glow, I, I appreciate on this side is that they launched, they seem to launch a lot of things. They, they are not, but Experimentation. They, they launched it. Yeah. They, it's not clear that they want to do it. Like one of some of my favorite, um, favorite tech companies in the U S not clear that they want to do it. Basically, yeah. for example, I saw this Glow mobile banking in 2005. It's basically, I think it was, now I know that it's functionally like an interface for all the, for some banks. So you can, they provide an app within their Glow app. You can access your bank and they make transfers, but they charge you fees for every request. So of course that didn't go anywhere. Why would you not use the bank? It's almost, it's also just insane. Yeah. You might as well just use the bank app. Cause what if it's missing yeah. some functionality? You're like, oh, it's missing functionality. Well, I just I already have a it's phone, definitely- I already have internet. Let me just use the bank app. This is definitely, Silly. and it's also like it supports it's, in 2005, it supports only 23 banks. There are more than 23 banks. So, like, you just end up being like, what if your bank is not one of those supported? As it is today, by the way, for many of these fintech cool apps right. where they support, yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, we can do this thing and you check, it's only three banks that are there. It's like <laughs> FCMB, Zenith, right? And Access Bank, the only three banks, you know, FCMB, Zenith, and GC Bank, three banks with APIs. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes to banking stuff in Nigeria for the audience, it's just primarily bank led. Like, 90 to 99% of the time, if anyone wants me to send money, they just say, my GTB account is X, my first bank account is Y. Like no one, there was this one time when someone asked me for a wallet, but it's just not used. Like every company that says our app is widely used in Nigeria for financial transactions, they're just not being honest. Like every single person, this is my account number, do a transfer. This is my, it's, maybe you have a different experience. You normally have your, but I just, it's just not, it's just not common. So um, yeah, that's my experience with transferring funds. They also tried mobile money in like 2014 as well. So the so mobile money used to be used to be it still is actually it still is bank led in Nigeria. Of course, yes, yes, um, yes, almost all bank led. And they, they 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 if you listen to them say they launched Glow Exchange, the country's first mobile money agent network was launched by wow. Glow in 2014 um, as wow. a result of a project between Globalcom and First Bank, Echo Bank, and Stanbank IBTC. How is that um, the first country when Paga launched five years before? Kind of weird. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if I don't know if if Paga was, was an agency back now. Mobile money agent network. That's that's good actually. That's a good point. Yeah. How, how are you defining agency network mobile money? That's exactly what Paga was doing. Anyway, fine. It's neither here nor there. I'm maybe, sure they have maybe, a definition yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, maybe maybe you define mobile money as it must come from a telco versus coming from someone else because mobile money that phrase means yeah. telco. If you define it that way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very strict yeah. definition. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe mo- they didn't say first agent network to be clear. Yeah, first mobile, mobile money agent yeah. network, and that's yeah. like. But it's very. I always find that very strange. To your point about like two things about being a conglomerate, um, and just not having many other businesses is that like they kind of knew like somebody in the company knew that all these things were like businesses. Like 
Glow Insurance was 2015. Like there was something there, you know, not not nothing. And Glow Exchange was 2014. There was something there, not nothing. But it was just like, ah, yeah. eh, whatever. <laughs> just moved yeah. out to selling SIM cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's, yeah, it's it, very it's very instructive. Where being early is just like yeah, whatever. Yeah, it, it's almost like. So what's another similar company? So Reliance Geo, aka Geo Platforms, they have a holding company at the top, like so Reliance. But Reliance Geo itself, are they doing other businesses? Yes, sort of. But really, the company doing a lot of businesses is Reliance at the top. All right, right, yeah. right. So it's sort of it, it, it makes sense. Um, the only difference between this and Reliance Geo is they renamed Reliance Geo to Geo Platform so they could do a bunch of tech-related things as an umbrella. Yeah. Versus these guys, they don't really care about tech. Like, they're not a tech company. They're pure telco, a hardcore telco. Versus Reliance Geo, yeah. they're trying to be a tech company. That's why they have the Google Meet ripoff, the Zoom ripoff. They're just, they're doing they're doing it at scale, but this is not that. Okay, maybe we talk about now, like, what they, what they do next. Like, can they do something like Reliance or Geo? No, yeah. no, they've already done that. Um, they, they did that, and now they're just holding steady. Well, what else would they also, do? Are they going to crash prices more? <laughs> no, but it's also like the 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 it's a it's a they don't have to because they are already like they're already a conglomerate, right? It's not really like they already have a play in the market. And you know, Joe is a way to enter a market um, yes. and to create a new market, and they're already in the market. Yeah. Why build a tech? There's a couple of cool stuff happening with Capex that might drive costs down. So yeah, just. Basically, stay in the middle of the pack, stay profitable, yeah. stay private. 100%. If I were them, I would just continue doing this. The most aggressive thing they could do is repeat their Nigeria playbook in another country. But number one, why? Number two, be expensive. Number three, may still not work out. What other countries are there? Are they going to go to South Africa, crash the prices? Hell no. Kenya, crash the prices? Probably unsuccessful. Francophone Africa against Orange? Why? Just stay stay in the country, yeah. second place tied, try to make it profitable, and just hold on for what you have. That sounds like a logical but, strategy to me. But but it's it's also that like those every telco is not just that those markets are going to be expensive to win in. Is that every t- other telco, every other major telco, every other, other competitors is building out a portfolio of like sticky value added services that will make migration even easier, customer acquisition sorry harder for them. So it's like now if I want to leave MTN, I have to think about leaving MTN mobile money as well. Right, mm-hmm. that becomes that makes me less likely to switch away from MTN, um, and vice versa. So even if you go into a new market now, it gets harder. Versus, how do they make sure they don't stop to bring in their home market and then they um, capture some of those valuable services for themselves? We'll see. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't yeah. even know what their play becomes. Right, for sure, they would have to like if we think super hardcore strategy, go into another market with an acquisition, so that will cut out all that stuff. Yeah. And then number two, in their home market, do something in addition to telco. So it would be like. You're hedging your home market against another market, but those two things are expensive. If I had to pick, I would just do the latter. I'd just get into another uh, service in my home country. Buying companies, buying telco companies, telco business is not a good business. I wouldn't want to get involved in it. So It's almost like you have, you have to believe that you can get a higher margin or higher revenue from running the business than somebody else can. And even that is not even clear to me. Like, exactly. Because like, if you could, it would just tell you the they... price. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Price. Especially because this is such a Nigerianized business. Exec is Nigerian. Most of the team is in Nigerian. They set up their um their whole culture and team is set up to be Nigerian. Versus if you go to another country and you buy the telco there, they've already optimized for their own country. So why would you give them enhanced optimization yeah. when they already did that? Why would you know something they don't know when you're new? Hence 1% in Ghana, right? Or 1% exactly. in Ghana. Yes, okay. and Benin Republic before they closed also wanted two percent, and they shut it down. Hence, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Um, um, 
Should I should I talk a little bit? We've spoken mostly, but we already spoke about competition. I can talk a little bit about yeah. competition and exits, unless you had other thoughts. No, let's talk about competition and like maybe okay. the competition public listing easy. part as to yeah. why why that should be quick, but also like what the implications are and which you would prefer. I'd be very curious about that. I love it. Competition piece is super quick because we already spoke about it. Really, the only competition you need to care about is competition in their primary market and competition in their primary uh customer uh, proposition. So the only one country, which is Nigeria, really, and the competitors, obviously, MTN, Airtel, 9Mobile. We're not going to talk about that. We already spoke about the market share. Really, all they think about is how do we keep track with Airtel and do aggressive things to get share from, from MTN. In the future, if they do start to take financial services more seriously and get deeper into it, get the PSP yeah. license, they'll face a whole bunch like the list is infinite, right? Let's let's quickly blitz through the list. No matter what, they, this is why MCN is going to find it difficult. No matter what they do, they face a lot of competition. Number one, Nigeria is heavily uh, banking based for, for, for fintech. So they have to go against Access, Zenith, GTB, First Bank, yada, yada, yada. Even if we leave the banks to the side, any service they offer has a lot of competition. P2P payments, Chipper Cash, Paka, um, BART, I mean, the Quick Teller, InterSwitch, Opay, Pompey, everyone is yeah. doing everything else. And those guys are even going against the bank. So I wish them the best if they do that, but that's going to be super tight. They also face some indirect competition from internet providers uh, like like Smile, all these guys, but that's a very small market. So competition piece is pretty I would, straightforward. I would, I would even say that's sort of the, there's a that one I want to talk about that in a second, because I think those yes, are that's like an under, underestimated competition source. The most important thing for me when I'm in Lagos, and I'm definitely a unicorn in my usage and maybe not representative, is like it's data access. And I yes. think that more and more, there's a group of people that's most important. I care way less about drop calls than I do about like data access. Yeah. And now if I can get a smile data sim, because I know I'm just in like this, you know, the six square kilometers of, of Victoria Island. If I can yes. get a smile sim, I know it's going to give me 100 Mbps on a MiFi device or 50 Mbps guaranteed on a MiFi device. I will spend way less on MTN. As a matter of fact, that's exactly that's, my strategy. It's like, so legit. you end up going to like, going to, going to, therefore, Spending less, like I can still be a global com subscriber. I will still buy one thousand hour airtime for the random time I need to make a call. But for my long catch up with friends, that would be like WhatsApp calls or messenger calls or something. And I just stop. I start spending less on on the, the data sources. Yes. Versus what I do now when I'm in Lagos is I land, I buy like ten gigabytes on my phone, right? Because I just I want to have that. But as those other like broadband providers get better and better, I will land. And just buy one thousand at a time through my Quitter Bank account. Shout out! Yeah, to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you're right. Although you know those guys aren't very cheap, right? Like, so, no, so I but, guess for, for Glow's target, you're not a typical Glow target customer. That's why your perspective yeah. is not not super the best. But their customers really care about price, and Glow is at least cheaper than Spectrenet and Smile anyway. So it's sort of like, why would yeah. they switch? Yeah, no, but that's exactly my point. It's, it's not cheap now. It's the same thing. Like the prices are going oh, to oh, go future, down. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not cheap now, right? And if you look at what competition is going to, is that like data is data access becomes more and more. Calls are still important for many people. Like calls are super important yes. for my mom. Oh, right? the, the data like, is where it's at. Data is where it's at. And data is where it's going to. And more and more, it's like, oh my God, I can make a call, but I can't have data. If you ask people to choose, you're going to get more of the, give me data, forget the call, I'll use WhatsApp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as competition goes, as those prices drop, as those competitive advantage of density, they can overserve, oh, not overserve. Ex- that sounds that's a bad word, but extremely serve a certain class of customers very well, providing data plans that may not work when you're going to Alagbado or Bini City or Lagos Ibadan Expressway, but when you're in VI, it works. Legit, I, I like it. I like it. I, I'll only say that 
I think most users really just want super cheap stuff. And, and the price reduction of those players, Glow's reputation of being very focused on price means they may still be very competitive. Um, but, but let's see, maybe in five years, Spectrenet will be cheaper than Glow, but maybe, maybe not. Um, okay, so public listing. <laughs> why, why is, oh, this is so funny. Okay, straight face, straight face. Why is Glow not a public company? Um, my thoughts are very short, very simple. They don't need to be a public company, so I would think that's it. They, they have almost no benefits of being a public company. Number one, being a public company means what? You can raise money through an IPO, raise money through your shares. They have infinite money because Mike Adenunga has between six and eight billion, right? They don't have that problem. Number two, being a public company means you have to do a bunch of disclosures, blah, blah. They don't need to do any disclosure. They're not going to get any benefit from that. Number three, you can use your shares for MA, right? X percent of my shares, but they don't care. They can buy any company they want. There's almost no benefit. The only reason I think it would be good for them to become a public company is if to improve the relationship with the governments. If the government has some agenda around public ownership, yes, for government relationships is so important in their business. Listen to our MTN, so when the Nigerian government screwed MTN, that would be the only reason they would do it. But really, there's no, no, there, there's when, no, MTN broke no the law. when MTN broke the law, to be clear. <laughs> but yes. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, I, I don't think there's any need, no benefit, unless uh, for government relationship and enhancement. So I don't think they're, they're going to do it. And it would be curious that, to see if the government not just them to do it. Is that objectively true, you think? Oh, tell like, me, tell me more. Absolutely no benefit. Like maybe no absolutely. No, no. Absolutely there's one. There's one. There's one I said. There's one that I said. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I other than, other than that, I just maybe for more money, almost like more wealth to convert into more wealth. Like if you want six billion, even if it's public, you can like spin that equity into something else. No. If, if you have between six and eight billion dollars. And, what okay, does 20 so billion do for you? Basically, what does an extra 10 billion do for you? Basically, I get that. I get that. It's not worth $10 billion. And, and also, like, the loss of control, the loss of voting, public, is, is, it, is, that, is that really going to be worth it for them to, to do that? No, I, I, I don't disagree. I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't disagree. I, if I were Mike Adenaga, like, give me a good reason to go public. Yeah, I but can't. I, like, I said, it's only the government's one. Only the government one. Yeah. Yeah. And also no remember, reason. even if the IPO, oh, for the audience, very obvious, but you only sell a certain percentage. So they're not even going to get, let's say the company's worth, we said between two and 10, right? Let's say it's worth three. They're not going to get $3 billion, obviously, because they're not selling the company. They're listing X percent of the market on the public share. So let's say they list 10%. So it's 10% of 3 billion, $300 million. And by the way, <laughs> that's if the public markets don't apply a massive discount because of the control of ownership. So maybe it's 100, $100 million, seriously. That's what, what Mike, I didn't go through that process for $100 million. That's yeah. what, uh, of five percent of his net worth to go through that process? Hell no. Yeah, the man is the man is sixty-six, but it's not going to work. The the man is sixty-six or sixty-seven. There's a new um, there's a new generation coming up. So maybe they, in like 10, 15 years, they were like, let's IPO and like raise some money. I guess who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, another potential reason this is not going to apply to them is you can get a different type of employee with equity ownership than with salaries. But it's not a real advantage because you can simulate all that with just cash, right? Just like, like oh, you have a cash bonus. <laughs> <laughs> cash bonus at this tier. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, the, I don't think people are working in GlobalCom management. I didn't say this. Employees. I don't think people are working the CEO, CEO is there because they're not getting paid, right? So anyways, that's oh, fine. No, I guess they're not going to... 
on the public listing piece, it's interesting. They are not listing. I don't think I don't see a good reason for them to list. If yeah. something we're missing, please email info at affability.com. Please, you here. Yes, let's know if it's I, really I'm sane. curious to see if that government one I said actually comes up in fruition. If the government says we want more, uh, I would have come up already. Didn't they, they force MTN and then they force ITL? We have come yeah, up already. There's no nobody has their power. Nobody has their power. Uh, everybody has nobody has their power. I, if you think like Mike has close yeah. friends, yeah. Hello, hello, sir. Hello, Mike. Adiru, it, it, it's it's, like it's funny. It's funny because yeah. the closest analogy, the closest analogous person to Mike Adenuga in Nigeria is Dangote. And Dangote has a bunch of publicly listed companies. So you can give different yeah, with with, with, with three percent floats. With three percent floats. Okay, I, I, man, I have such a. Okay, let's leave it. Let's for another. We're good, yeah. at, at some point we'll do a let's, dangle let's episode. Let's definitely but for leave now. it. I stay, I yeah, stay employable. Okay. Um, okay. Close. We, we wrap it. We wrap close. It? I can okay, close. Yeah, it. I can close. I can close very quickly. So just two parts. One is basic. I think the story of entrepreneurship is interesting. One of the, um, I remember my mom used to say. Um, some of my mom says very strangely. Um, when people sing songs about Adenuga's wealth, which is a very mm. common thing, by Fellow the way. Be yes. Um, <laughs> That's the favorite, like, oh, favorite line. Are, are, are people willing to do what Adenuga does to be as rich as he is? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, it's very ominous when my mom says it. It's like, what do you mean? Like, is this some black magic? Or is it just like 20 hour work days? What are you saying? But, but I think, but I think that you could argue on the oil ring and a bunch of other stuff and maybe like, he, you know, run his family business and whatever. But, Globalcom is a story that there's actually like something there. And because it's always been privately held and always been like relatively reserved as far as billionaires go, definitely as far as African rich people go, there's been a lot of room for rumors and stuff to spread. But I can, mm. if you look at the numbers and look at Glow's market share and look at Glow's size, mm-hmm. he's, running a, he's running a business that he's, he's competent at business at the very least, right? That's because it's sure. a very competitive market at a great time. And I think that a couple of things that stood out to me or well, the main thing that stood out to me is really understanding the market and taking not just half ass in it, like taking insights about what he believed, how the market was and driving to the end. Low prices win. Everybody says that. Everybody knows that. But nobody ever offers like the lowest, like just take it to the, cut it to the bone, right? Or Nigerians like celebrities. Okay. Hire everybody and put them in ads for glow. <laughs> right? Um it's crazy, but it's almost like a Tiger Global model, which is basically like, hey, if it's late stage and it's all going to yeah. go public in like three years anyways, no price is too high, right? Yeah. I will lose some, but it was really, really, And it's like, take a soft bank, which is, if it's all VC and it's all network effects and it's yeah. going to scale infinitely, <laughs> why are we negotiating round size? You want one billion, here's three. Um, and I think that like, it takes a lot of chutzpah, a lot of like um, liver, so to speak, to Balls. go after strategy like that. Um I'm very like impressed by that execution and by like singularity of focus. Like he came in as a low cost customer, uh, low cost provider, and has aggressively maintained that position. Nobody will ever tell you, man, my data is expensive. Have you tried Glow? Is the first thing I hear. <laughs> um, and that's why there's so many complaints that's about Glow because every guest is cheap and it's like, oh my God, Glow's not working. So yeah, this first part of my story is basically about the entrepreneur and the fact that you don't have to be first or first to win. You know, mm-hmm. that's my, my read. That's legit. Although they were very, very close to first, because they only launched two years later. But still, they, they were not. They were not first. First was Airtel, yeah. uh, and then second was MT. 
Yeah, and you know, and Etel basically just watched somebody eat their lunch. Um, yeah, or, or Nitel was technically first, but where are we now? Eat their, lunch, eat their lunch on two continents, Etel. <laughs> eat their lunch on two continents, by the way. They watched the low cost oh provider, first of all, skin them in Nigeria, and oh then they're God. watching Geo. Geo shoot, shoot them up and spit them out. I never them. thought of both. Well, that's such a yeah. good connection. So Airtel has been attacked by two low-cost providers and that's, two national that's champions. Why they are sell, that's why they are selling everything on site. That's why I need to get out of this Airtel subscription. <laughs> oh my great people that are actually building base stations. Anyways, I digress. That's so funny. Um, one, I told one of my friends of my next Airtel time I'm, I'm in Nigeria, I need to swap. I need to do a number reporting. This is sometimes it's hard. They won't let you. Can you believe that? I, I no one should make me angry when I'm, I get to La- Lagos. I'll go to MTN, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a new number if it's that bad. Uh, I'm fed anyway. up. No, no, no. Okay. I, I, I honestly think, I honestly think that like just the the market pressure that Airtel is under is intense mm-hmm. across, and it's, the story is still being told. Anyways, okay. Second yeah. part is basically what next for Glow is. There, we talked a bit about this on the Jill part, but on a lot, there are a couple of things that I saw some announcements. Um, some open radio access network or something that makes the capex mm. investments in telcos reasonable essentially the logic being that like a significant part of the base base tower is the hardware in it right now it's all like it's i went down a rabbit hole it's me i'm an engineer i went down this rabbit hole it's called h-e-n-s i think or h is it they have a way huawei ericsson okay yes nokia yes, yeah. there's a bunch of them it's like a consortium no they're not a consortium they're like Okay. So it's basically an oligopoly. And what happens, yes. a lot of their hardware is not interoperable, mm-hmm. obviously. And that's the obviously most expensive cost. So what is happening is a whole group of people that are committing to make interoperable hardware, right? So you can use okay. interoperable hardware within base stations and the software is interoperable, interoperable, which is going to drive costs drastically down. You see like... It's 40, okay, so, so, so you, you, you need a new player to make their hardware interoperable or you need to force the existing players to make theirs. Who's, exactly. Who's doing that? Exactly. The telcos, everybody's forcing them to make it interoperable. And there's a whole push. Every Like it fits everybody. Mm. If It benefits everybody except the oligopoly. Except the HRM. Yes, yes, yes. yes. If I everything is shareable. The only way to make the oligopolies lose power is to form your own oligopoly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all the, te- all the telcos are too distributed. There's like hundreds of them. What if they have one? They're even technically a monopoly if they do it yeah. that way and have one. Because wow. you do multi-vendor products, basically yeah. multi-vendor products. Now you can't do multi-vendor. Once you buy one Akatel Lucent, you are buying 55 Akatel Lucent. Right? So, rest of your so life. right now, this rest of your life, like you're in for a penny, in for a pound. I think Etel uses Ericsson in Nigeria. Um, Glow uses Akatel on Lucent. I remember that from their okay. contracts. But there's a couple of stuff that like, oh, if that happens, maybe telcos are not that crazy to expand. Maybe the CapEx thing for telcos is not big. Maybe they can mm-hmm. continue to expand. And that makes a big difference for 5G because 5G is expensive. And everybody's charging mm-hmm. any price they want for 5G mm-hmm. uh, and for data access in the future. So maybe CapEx doesn't become like a crazy part of their um, expenditure again. And they can wow. easier, easier fund and expand and better compete by dropping prices. Basically. Wow. So I'm gonna read all I can thing, about that. I, I love that thing, concept. Yeah. The thing that, that that scares us a lot about um telcos is the capex. I want to point yes. out like if the capex becomes cheaper and you're already the low-cost provider <laughs> and everything's moving towards data, you actually yeah. might be in a very good position to invest in that cycle. Uh, of course, win. it's the equivalent of Walmart was already the low-cost provider of clothes when the clothes started yeah. being manufactured in China. The low cost provider no. just doubled down on their own advantage because now they get even lower costs. Versus if you had a, a Armani handbag, 
you get lower costs, but your margins were already high to begin with. So exactly. And the others will see much more margin erosion than they will. Exactly. Stuff like that. Exactly. And they'll see yeah, more yeah. margin margin improvement. So maybe maybe that's that's the bull case, if you will. Wow. Um yeah. if, if that actually okay. happens the way you it's said it's very early. it's very early. They're just they're writing yeah. MOUs. How are you gonna force people to give up like money, right? That's a hard thing. Right. You're gonna they're gonna fight you to the end. You're gonna put yeah. you in the contract. It, it, especially because you said you said H E R N. The H-E-R-N-S. H-E-N-S. I don't remember. I'm going to get it. I'm probably getting this acronym but, wrong. But, but, but basically, it's like only four or five companies. So it's easier for them to talk to each other and plan versus to get all the telcos. Yeah. Even even a few telcos, it's harder to organize, right? Because the, the, the money, the the money is much. The, mon- the money to be saved is much. You don't understand. Like, it's... it's, it's I, I, the money to be saved is so much. Um, oh, it's so much money, man. It's so much money. It's so much yeah. money to be saved. So anyways, that that's basically the incentive. It's like, if that happens very early, I think a couple of people are signing MOUs. MTN has signed one. They're all, everybody's interested. Everybody's interested mm. in this, basically, mm. in rolling it out and making it well accepted. But the point being, like, if there's a macro thing that drops tower installation costs. Oh, I'm, right? I'm back in. I'm back in. But I, I, yeah. I'm very doubtful. I'm very doubtful. But, but I hope it works. But that's it. And the other piece also is, look, you know, the man is a fantastic businessman by all accounts, but he's also 70s, so different generation. Like there's a whole yeah. group of his children and like people yeah. who may or may not be running the business or managers, day-to-day managers. And yes. I'll be very curious on how much influence that they will continue to have over the coming years and maybe where they take it, if they take it somewhere different. If they decide, hey, the uh, bank is a bank and we should have a, we should have a fintech thing in-house correct. or whatever. Yes, um, yes. Because you seem and- to have like, those those stuff as well. And in fact, if you listen to our Alliance Geo episode, afrobilly.com slash geo, the children split. So Mukesh and the other brother, they split the fam- the dad's businesses. And yeah. even then, the way they thought about the businesses were very, very different. So there's some analogy here. The only yeah. slight difference is by the time they took the businesses, the businesses were still smallish, apart from the petroleum one, which was large. But th- these businesses are already at massive hyperscale, especially uh, the oil yeah. and telco one. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe it just gives them individual energy, you know, under new management now, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if, if they want some advisory um, capability, hit, hit us up, info.fabili.com. I have a lot just, of thoughts I on just, what you can do to this business. I, I just, you know, always be selling. I just, I, I just want to sing, <laughs> sing, sing, sing my name, like Mike, I didn't know his name. Okay. 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 That's my so, summary. <clears throat> you don't have to be right. first or early to win. And I, the glow might, my benefit from lowering like capex prices to just cement a low cost position. Okay, what was the nickname we had in the Kuz Becker episode? <laughs> you can't lose with Kuz. <laughs> we need to come up with something with either Mike or Daniel because it's a very very interesting character. But we'll come back to that later. Okay, my thoughts. So I have five five categories. So consumers, entrepreneur, uh, bear case, bull case, and then overall. So technically four categories if you don't count overall. So consumers, this is easy easy. Excellence, especially I think about if you were Nigerian living in Nigeria before 2001, right? Before the GSM auction, what was the state of communications? A complete mess. Not that many phones and the phones were landlines. The costs were expensive. Nightfall was horrible, unreliable. It was just a terrible experience. Fast forward, not even 10, 20 years, just fast forward two years to 2001. Still expensive, but at least you have more options. Fast forward to 2003. Glow comes into the market and you have all these options. So it's just, I just feel that a combination of more competition, MNP you can port, data price reduction, it's looking good. I'm very, very happy that uh, more Nigerian consumers have, an, have access to lower uh, data prices. A lot of people say it's still not one of the lowest, but it seems like it's low to me. But anyway, 
positive for the customers. It's not. Um, it's not. Lo- it's low objectively to you, but it's not low as a percentage I mean, of the average income. Exactly average correct. Yes, especially also when you compare it to something like India, which is super cheap. But that's a that's the geo effect is it's hard super to cheap and it's super fast. Like yes, they, exactly. Like it's crazy fast everywhere. Stunned. Right. Especially like the smaller cities, um, because yeah. in Lagos you can always get at faster places, faster data yeah. if you're in the richer places, but doesn't scale well in the villages um, in Nigeria. Okay, second piece, entrepreneurs. Similar to you, so Mike, I didn't. I just feel like we had to bite to the cherry. So the initial issue with the <laughs> the, the license was revoked in 2001. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Came back again in 2003. Showed some persistence. Also, the fact that he adopted a an aggressive geo-like strategy with the pricing. I like it. Um, we said earlier, uh, price of calls reduced by 90%, price of SIM card reduced by 95%, just excellent, sounds good. Um, and they've been able to, he's been able to maintain the aggressive pricing over so many years. So I commend him for that. I don't know about any of his other businesses. So this is specifically for this business. I have no interest in any other business, just this one, because I'm a techie. Um, so thank you for pushing this sector forward. Because I bet you, if not for Glow's coming yeah. into the market, prices would have been high for another minimum Crazy five to 10 high. years. Because what Crazy else are they going to do? It, it, it's, it's a duopoly. Duopoly is even worse than a duopoly. They were lying to us. They were lying to us. Same kind of second billing. That's why the government... That's why the government went after them. Oh, my that, God. They've been lying to us for... Te- like That's why the MTN <laughs> and DSTV... And we are lining up... So this isn't time. Just for context. <laughs> animosity is... Tell us per second billing is not possible. Charging us through the teeth. We're looking mm-hmm. at other markets who have liberalized at different times, pay per second mm-hmm. in South Africa at the time. We're like, ah, why not here? And then we are lining up to pay for DSTV that are increasing the price every other month. That's you have to another, take another your episode. actual physical card. You're lining up in the South African office for DSTV to pay for MWeb. And I just they've been like, and you're telling us you can't even, I will pay the money, just charge me per second. I didn't say reduce the price. <laughs> nah, man. Oh, I feel like the I beef, triggered, I triggered around. The beef with MTN has been coming from from time. It wasn't yeah, a recent yeah. beef. It wasn't. They're just like it, it's it almost like it's beef mistake. with Kuzbeka because Multi Choice is technically a separate company with DSTV, but they no, used to be connected. We love yeah, Kuz. Kuz. Don't talk bad about Kuz. Kuz. Don't talk bad about Kuz. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, bear case. The bear case is very very straightforward because of the concentration of their business. It's if Mike Adenuga or the Adenuga family loses interest and continue to drive the business forward. That's basically it. They have um. And any other business called a key man risk. That's basically this because there's no there's no checks and balances to, for them to run like a regular business. It's basically if the parents, if the owner, beneficiary, parents, father, God, whatever we call him, loses mm-hmm. interest, then they can things can go south for them. That's by far the biggest issue. Second issue is because a lot of the business is pushing towards financial services, fintech, all those things, and they seem to be lagging behind. If the industry does start to switch in that direction another massive issue so those two things combined at the beer case the bull case is i would say even i would say two things data and fintech like it's just like you do, it's not enough to be the you have to continue to be the lower lowest cost data provider across mm-hmm. different use cases i think they can probably hit the lowest cost data provider given it, given where the costs are going but again yeah. like there's always like different kinds of tech somebody might slice off like university campus for example provide yeah. my device that only work in university campus like i pay for right. that instead of glow etc yeah. um but yeah They've been consistent. I mean, 2003, 2022, 19 years, they basically had the lowest price offering for 19 years. So based on that, past is not predictor of the future, but it seems as though they can continue to carve that way in the market. It's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, 19 years. Jesus. Um, Okay. Um, Next, bull case. Bull case is straightforward. 
if they continue to spend more than their competitors and continue to gain market share by being aggressive with what they've done, lower pricing for data, and basically they leverage their position as a low price provider to get into the data part of the market. Because one, one thing I sense is, I sense yeah. that it's, it's easier to be the low cost provider in voice than to be the low cost provider in data. Because the entire industry is switching towards data versus voice was always just a thing. So if they can keep that momentum, that's the first part of the bull case. Second thing is they do a quick pivot and start to take financial services more seriously. Obviously, that's critical. Third thing is they're able to capitalize on the political goodwill as only Nigerian telco with Nigerian roots. And then they take that as an advantage that pushes them forward. Because Airtel, basically Indian, and Nigeria is important to them, but they're not going to be taken as a Nigerian company. M10, basically South African. Not, so they have a specific advantage that no one else has. And how do they utilize that? That's a key part of the bull story because Nigeria is very, very politicized by definition. Um, and then, yeah, so my overall thoughts, 70% on the positive bull case, 30% on the negative bear case. So 70% because like they're not like a small fry playing in the small leagues like Telecom South Africa. So they don't have that. They're not in third place lingering behind. They're not hated by the Nigerian government like MTN Nigeria. They're not Orange, which is not even in Nigeria. Um, they're not distracted by Geo, which is Airtel Africa. So they have some intrinsic advantages, which make them good. But I can only cap the 70% because, man, everything is going towards fintech, man. They need to be doing something there. And um, for fundamentally, the business that's run by a billionaire benefactor is not a business that's not without risks. There's some inherent risk in the structure of the company, which is why I can only cap my positivity at 70%. The structure is risky and they're not in, the, in fintech. Otherwise, it would be way higher. So it's almost it's almost one of those where so that a it's either a great strength or a great weakness. Because on one hand, they can be super nimble. They can be like, we're yes. a fintech company now. Exactly. You know? And it's yes. just like, yes. then you got to talk to the board. You're going to prove it in subscriber numbers. Like, no, 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 no. Just call it. Right? Just call, call the guy, basically. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, they can say, we're a fintech company now. And like burn the entire business to the ground. <laughs> um, so it really them. depends. Yeah. I did. Ah. Why are you calling people's names? Okay. <laughs> I didn't see anyone's name. It's not a company name. You <laughs> just won't call it names. I said Chipper Cash is burning the industry to the ground. Listen to the Chipper Cash episode. I, I expand more on that. Okay. Recommendations and small wins. Okay, I can go with my recommendations. I have three. One is there's the Invest Like the Best podcast with David Rubenstein. Um, oh it's really good. Um, it's, um, do you have that recommendation as well? No, no, no. I mean, both of them are the same. That's like Nas and yeah. Jay-Z on the same side. Yeah. That's but David Rubenstein right is like, is, is kind of like, I realized this because this guy's like my hero. He's like, he's a rich public intellectual. He's already yeah, rich. And and everybody knows he's he's yeah. super normal, but everybody knows yeah. he's rich. So nobody says, yeah. he's like a normal approachable person for mm -hmm. billions of dollars. But he gives but also, that vibe. He also has a very good uh, interview style. When we were uh, researching our SoftBank episode, his interview with Masayoshi San was so pleasant. He was very, very yeah, cool he's, interviewer. He's so good. And I was going to say, like, he's, you know, gives me Mike Adenoga, but if Mike Adenoga appeared on podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone is <laughs> listening from Mike Adenoga's PR team, first podcast you appear on, Afroability for sure. We don't normally do CEO interviews, but for you, <laughs> for you, I'll fly to Lagos. Yes. <laughs> I'll probably bring my Mac. <laughs> You don't know. I'll you don't my know. Mic to interview Mike. You don't know who Mike is. You don't know who Mike is. You're talking anyhow. You don't have respect. Anyways, David Rubenstein is a is a flaneur after my own heart. I, I love I love David Rubenstein. And I just mm -hmm. when I just saw that podcast, I listened to it, and it was like super light. He's very thoughtful. 
very rich, very successful, yeah. very self-aware. And he so, has so, like so interesting. So you love questions. him the same way I love Naval Ravikant. Then what you said is exactly how no, I described no, Naval. No, 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 no. Naval Ravikant is basically um, Naval is this next-level genius. Shit. Um, no, 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 no. Naval Ravikant doesn't live on Earth with us. All of you are living on planet the word, Earth. Naval is the living word, somewhere else. Yeah, pop, pop. When I say Naval, is pop that comes to mind. But I'm just gonna leave that there. Exactly. I knew. You see, like a little bit. You see wow. this face that I have to no cut him off. Wow. Exactly. Okay. I read. Okay. Yeah, I've read a bunch of Naval books, and I was like, yeah, what? Cool. Naval, Naval um, is living on another planet. He's not operating at the same level as human okay. beings. Okay. Next, <laughs> next recommendation. Jeez, just like a standard Silicon Valley bro, right? We like read Naval, read Matt Levine, same stuff. Yo, another genius. This, nah. Okay. L- listen, add okay. ability to that list. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, we need a standard measure of risk. It's what this article is called. Basically, uh, the idea being like we don't talk about risk the same way as we talk about many other things. So, of course, like oh, COVID, you know, one increases your cancer risk and stuff, or this increases your risk of this, or your risk of COVID with a mask without a mask is riskier. But how much mm-hmm. riskier? I think people feel yes. different if it's like you go from zero point zero 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 one percent likely to zero point zero 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 two percent likely. People would right. not change anything, and we don't have a good way to communicate that. And this guy proposes a, a metric called a micromot, which is a one in a million chance of dying. And you're just like, oh, this is three micromots risky. Now you have three in a million chance of dying. Very interesting article. Very smart. It helps you think about the, the risk of doing something. The third recommendation is um, about the next Google. Basically, oh, it goes into like search search engines and mm-hmm. all a bunch of like niche search engines that do specific use cases as well. Because the thesis being like, who will build the next Google? Like, you know, everyone knows creative destruction and Yes, you know, correct. New companies become old and old companies die or whatever. But it's like yes. the tech companies become new and everybody's like, okay, the only thing that can threaten Google is this niche search engines. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of really cool niche search engines in this article. I would love, I would so love to, to read that. I am, I am of the opinion that the company that surpasses, the new companies that surpass the old companies will not be like yeah. the old companies at all. So like the company... Yeah what surpassed ExxonMobil? It's not a better oil company. It's the fact that like oil is dangerous and hazardous to the environment. So it's sort of like, I, I would bet more on something that has a new paradigm than just another search engine that's for a niche. I, I don't, I don't like, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of those kinds of things. It's too similar yeah. to the old thing. Um, in order to get to scale and actually match the competitor, you need to focus on an orthogonal piece and it's hard to think you'd be bigger than the incumbents if you're doing a small part of what they're yeah. doing. But that's just my opinion. I haven't read yeah. the article. Maybe, maybe I'll change my opinion. I'll read it. No, I don't. I don't even think this is not even. This was not even about size. This is about actually placing the utility. So how do you disaggregate the things I use Google for into specific things? Like think about ah, like, oh, okay, podcast okay. research. But, but right? even if it's utility, it may not still make money. So this is just using. It may not still be a big company. I care about big companies. Yeah. No. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not. I. 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 Strange that I'm the capitalist. But yeah. <laughs> It has to be useful and profitable, and I'm sure many of them can hit that very easily. Um, I'd love to. So, who, who, who wrote it? Is it a popular popular writer that we know, or a new no, person? No, no. So, nobody that I know. I don't want to say the okay, a new new person. Okay, okay. I, well, yeah. I mean, new, new, new to me. New to yeah. me, yeah, definitely. Those are my three recommendations. So, invest like the best of David Rubenstein. An article about a standard unit for the measure of risk, and an article about like just niche search engines and what replaces Google when people are looking for stuff. I'm reading all that. I need to get a better, I don't have a good system of getting your recommendations because basically by the time we pub, we publish yeah. the podcast, I don't go back and look at it then add it to my list. So like after this, if I don't write it, it's gone. I need to find a way to to remember to get your recommendations, even though I'm the one publishing it, which is weird. But anyway, fine. Um, 
Okay, recommendations. Uh, first thing, actually, for my recommendations, I wanted to thank Ifunaya Chijokwaka for helping me put this story together. Sorry if I mispronounced yeah. your name. I'd give it a good shot, but she helped me think about some of the elements of the closer. So much appreciated, especially considering the fact you were working. So thank you for that. Um, my actual recommendation, oh my God, thank you. Mark Andreessen's blog archive. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. Basically, it's a book. It's like an ebook PDF that aggregates that aggregates his blog. Silicon Valley, bro. Can you be like no, slightly this less this of about, a Silicon this Valley about, cliche? So you don't understand. This isn't about Silicon Valley, bro. He's like Naval Ravikant. They're not existing on this earth with us. Anyway, never ah. mind. L- l- let's come back. Let's come back. I will look um, at it. I will look at a, it. It's a PDF that aggregates a bunch of his posts from the late 2000s. And it's really funny, actually. He writes very well. So I'm just going to I'm gonna read one of my favorite parts. Um, okay, so part nine. The title of part nine is How to Hire a Professional CEO. So th- this is the chapter. First yeah. word, <laughs> don't. If you don't have anyone in your founding team who's capable of being CEO, then sell your company now, exclamation mark. That's the whole chapter. <laughs> I love this book. Oh my God. I, I feel like it has so many quotable chapters that I'm not going to read it now. We're like two hours in, but it's just, it's a, Please don't. it's a, it's a good encapsulation of the different parts of tech life and how the views of startup founders, entrepreneurs, bystanders, stakeholders, all just mesh together. Very, very smart. Mark Andreessen is uh yeah next next level shit is what I'll say so that's my only recommendation highly 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 recommended will, if you like Afro Brody, for sure you like it okay uh, small I mean, wins I mean no absolutely not um, no small no small wins no 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 if you like Afro Brody, you like Mark Andreessen's blog post I you can like you can like it or not uh, like Mark Andreessen's blog post no no but there's an overlap now obviously if you listen to a tech podcasts. You like a book about tech startups, no? Very strong. It's, it's not like it's completely orthogonal, like cooking. Okay, obviously. fine. Okay, the Venn fine. diagram overlap is, is large. Okay, but a, a bigger win. Venn diagram overlap, if you want. Samora Karyuki. Obviously, if you like us, you like yes. them. But Jesus, it's about yes. the size of the Venn diagram. Do I have to explain this to you? Oh my God. Okay, okay. small win, please. I'm sorry. This is You get so heated up when people talk I'm, about I'm, the Silicon Valley gods. You get so like, how dare you say this about Navarro? <laughs> I'm not getting it. It's like okay. Never. Small Sorry, win. I'm done. Small okay, win. I'm so my, glad there's my, no video on this. My small win is small I got win, this okay. is a small it was a small win, but it was a big win. Mm-hmm. I got a whiteboard a few weeks ago. Oh hell and yeah. I struggled. It came with markers, um the glass yes. whiteboard. It came with markers. Yes. The problem with glass whiteboards is that they they're reflective sometimes, and if the marker is not dark enough, you don't see it because it's just okay. Comes. Then I've been looking for markers and I bought markers a couple of times and it just comes in and I write on it and it's not bright. And I finally found some markers that work. This is definitely a small uh, one. And it just, yeah. And I'm like, my life has changed. <laughs> I'm like scribbling random things. Like people come, my wife comes to my room, I write stuff on the board. Like, oh yeah, let me think about that. Let me draw an arrow connecting things to something or the other. Yeah. For the for the audience to visualize, how big is it? It's like. It's it's 40, 48 by 32 maybe. So it's, it's, for, it's a good size. This is inches. I don't even. Inches divided inches, by 12. Inches, inches, so inches, like inches. Four, four feet, it's like three four by, by four. three. Four by three. Four oh, by that's three. good. Yeah, so it's, it's like you're yeah. six feet tall. It's like half of your length height. Yeah. And then across. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's it's large-ish. Hmm. It's large-ish. Yeah, it's good. And it's a whiteboard makes a world of difference for like, I I, I think very specially. So it makes a world of difference to me. So 
Especially, I can't wait. One day, bank is going to publish his wrong research. I can't wait to see his spatial thinking. Um, okay, some small ones. Very oh, small oh small. we're doing that. We're doing. We're doing like. We're doing like uh, jabs in the side because I have no, no. We're, we're not. We're not doing any jabs. We're not doing any jabs. We're not doing any jabs. <laughs> let's finish. Let's finish this godforsaken podcast <laughs> and, and, and wrap it. Um, okay. So something funny happened last year. I was going out with my friend. I told you this story, right? So we're going out. It's like midnight. And he says something to me, which is insane. He says, oh, this is going to be a small win on the podcast, right? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's telling me in the moment that yeah. this is good. I'm like, wait, I think I decided that. Okay, anyway, fine. That's, that was a separate story. But actually, one of my friends was in town on Wednesday, and we went out, and it was fun. So actually, a small win. We started in my apartment. We're having dinner. And then we went to like a open mic live performance show. Then we went to a crazy club. Oh my God. I'm not going to talk about the podcast, but people were Wednesday night. I'm like, if you're clubbing like this on Wednesday, your life must be awesome. <laughs> because you also, you also, you also live in Miami. It's very different. Oh, Miami. Oh, Miami. Miami is. So yeah, that was a small one. It was good. Uh, Cause we, we just sequenced it. We ate and then we're full. Okay. Let's go to live performance. We saw it. We're happy club. And then just came back home. Very, very nice. And so fun times. Cool. Fantastic. Fantastic. On that note? On that note? Yeah. Yes. On that note. So cool. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like to hear, or just want to say hello, please email info at afroability.com. Thanks.